And I think we're live. Uh, hello and welcome to Wrestling Headlines Aftershock for AEW Full Gear as you're watching my eyes go all over the place to click a million different things. Tonight we'll be talking about AEW Full Gear and what a show. I think I timed that perfectly just in case that it didn't catch the beginning and it starts with me saying we'll be talking about Full Gear instead of rabbiting on about nonsense. <laughs> so tonight, <laughs> instead of being all by myself at quarter past five in the morning, I'm instead joined by Jan Man at quarter past five in the morning, all the way from Kingdom of Honor. Uh, good evening, Jan Man. How's it going, man? Well, it's Full Gear. <laughs> I'm, so I You're was... Full Gear? Yeah, it, I've gone full gear. <laughs> That's what I've got. Have you gone full gear? Oh, well, obviously. Yes, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that was so posh. I'll, I'll reduce my poshness <laughs> to this show. Uh, yes, it's a... Is that your favorite Spice Girl? <laughs> my favorite was Baby Spice. Okay. If we're, if we're yeah. having that conversation, <laughs> if this is how we're kicking off this show, it was our favorite I'll Spice I'll, I'll go Ginger. you go Ginger. <laughs> oh, she became a bit of a, say, a bit of a meme over here, like a celebrity meme. It became that over here. So, well, yeah, that's why that's why I picked her. Duh. <laughs> uh, yeah, baby, baby was innocence and fun, and I was a kid when they were around, so that's the one I I obviously gravitated towards. <laughs> so it makes all the sense <laughs> in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, full gear. <laughs> it's all right. Spice Girls came back into relevance because of the boys, <laughs> so it's all right to reference them now. <laughs> They're cool again. I say again. Anyway. <laughs> so AEW for ten minutes. <laughs> AEW Full Gear has finished about half an hour ago, so we're going to bang on about that show. We are live on Wrestling Headlines YouTube and will be available in podcast form afterwards. And also, we try and get this up on the Kingdom of Honor channels as well. If that is also high, keep up with Jamin and Jeff and all their loveliness. It'll be uploaded there too. So Full Gear ended just shortly. Normally, we'll do like a quick little roundup overall of what we thought and then dive into the matches individually. So, Jan, what did you make of Full Gear? All right, so I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I'm going to start off just by talking about the presentation of it. Um, because, as you well know, as the world well, know, well knows, uh, Tuesday we had the presidential election here in the United States of America. Mm. Um, the forever four-year election, uh, we, you know, we voted, the votes have been counting all week, people have been waiting to, for, for an election result, and finally today, at about noon my time, um, the election was called for Joe Biden. He's the president-elect. And he was having a speech at 7 o'clock my time, which is exactly the same time Full Gear was starting. Um, him and Kamala Harris, who is now the first ever, or will be the first ever female vice president, the first ever black vice president, the first ever Asian vice president all at one time. Um, Joe Biden, who is the oldest president ever on his uh, third try. And while I looked at that and I was like, well, the show's got, the show must go on. I'm sure they're not going to delay full gear for, um, for the pre you know, for the vice presidential, I'm sorry, for the uh, victory speech, basically of the president elect. And vice president-elect um but i did pause you know i told you i paused the show for it and then i kind of got caught up later on so i really so for me it ended about 15 minutes ago than half an hour ago um so i didn't expect them to, to stop the show for it but i did expect them to at least acknowledge that it happened you know um and i thought that was really low class on AEW's part i mean i realize that you know 
Jim Ross lives in Oklahoma, so he's probably Republican. And Tony Schiavone lives in Georgia, so he's probably a Republican. And um, they do their show from Florida, which is which went full Republican for Trump, and um, is one of the reasons why they why them and the and the WWE have been able to have all these shows because they live in a state that decided to you know to was one of the first states to get rid of the mask laws and to eliminate social distancing. And if you looked in the crowd, there was a lot of not people not wearing masks, and they're clearly not social distancing, even though the announcers told us that they were going by CDC rules and social distancing and everybody having to wear masks. But I still think, you know, that, you know, four days ago was election day. Today was ejection day for Trump. And the, uh, they, they should have at least, you know, made a brief announcement about it or, you know, brief congratulations to President Biden. And I think, you know, again, it was very low class for them not to have done so. Yeah, I say overall, there wasn't there weren't even any like little jabs or jokes or something. It was all kind of like like it didn't exist, and this was a, a total escape rather than dripping something in, which I think they have done in the past, which is uh, maybe why it stood out a little bit as well, is that they didn't <laughs> do anything. They just left it like they, I don't know, maybe like they didn't know, so they just didn't even bother trying to figure out how <laughs> to say a nice thing. <laughs> They had to have known it was going on. Did you <laughs> celebrations going on throughout the country? And I'm sure they were going on in Jacksonville even. I mean, just mm. crazy, crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the show itself, um, I thought was really good. You know, I, I don't know that it was as good as um, All Out. You know, I don't know if it was as good as Double or Nothing. Um Revolution was a great show, so I mean, it's 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 hard for me to say that it was it was better than any of those shows. But there was definitely things on there I loved. Um, there was things on there that I kind of rolled my eyes at. <laughs> but um, all all all, it was, it was a really good show. Just um, definitely worth my fifty dollars. I'm sure it was probably like fifteen for you, right? 15 yeah, or 15, twenty. Fifteen quid for me. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's that? What's that equate to about twenty dollars US? Yeah, right? I think I get charged uh, nineteen ninety nine dollars, and then it I think it comes down to like fifteen fourteen pounds. Yeah. So definitely worth that price for mm. you, and and I think it was worth fifty bucks for me. You know, def, it's if I had gotten this show from WWE, um, you know, when they when they didn't have the network, I would have been satisfied with it as well. You know, so mm. it's something something I can say you know wasn't worth the money, but I I can say that I. You know, it, it, coming in, you know, there was kind of hyped as this is like the best lineup, especially from Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross. You know, this is the best lineup in AEW history. Well, it didn't turn out that way, in my opinion. For me, uh, I normally I judge a show by how quick, how easy am I able to watch it? How quickly does it fly by? Also, with the added context that I am an Englishman, and for me, this show started at one a.m. and it is now currently sure. twenty-five past five. So it's quite a good measure of. Uh, uh, I'm not in a great state. <laughs> it's the best way to put it at, at these times. I'm not on my peak athletic best. <laughs> so it's quite easy to tell when I'm not enjoying something because I will fatigue very easily. And most of the time with a WWE pay-per-view, I do get fatigued at some point. Quite often it be like towards the end or main event or something or one of the filler matches which they have. Like That's normally when I will start to feel it. This show for me, uh, I think I've put it in my notes later, but it's just... It was a, for me, this was an absolute lesson in pacing, in, like, in terms of the flow of a show and building it and putting which matches where in a card, especially the first hour. I thought the first hour, well, first hour was like a masterclass in just card pacing. 
in terms of mm-hmm. what to put where and the flow of it and what was in between the matches as well. Like WWE for me has way too much fluff in between the matches. And this wasn't New Japan. It wasn't the people's music play, they walk out, the next ones immediately come out. <laughs> it wasn't quite it wasn't quite that fast. But it was still really rapid. Like you got one quick advert for AW Games or something, which they pushed really hard tonight. You get, they you did. Get, mm, like in the first hour, it's like three or four different plugs for it. It's like, oh, well, whatever this is. Personally, I know people are cheering for like just a channel to visit all their favorite people where they can plug their own Twitches, <laughs> cough cough, and they can do whatever. Personally, wouldn't mind if they launched their own studio, as in properly go into it. <laughs> I really wouldn't mind that because uh, they got enough people there who are really into it to probably do something like that. You know, that's a wide accusation with absolutely. No evidence, which America's used to right now. <laughs> That's your world. So, but yeah, <laughs> I'm. Yeah. Only for 74 more days. <laughs> yeah, buckle in. It's gonna. Oh, oh. The word, the word coming round when. Um, I think it was when Republican. We were again back onto politics, but it's so world encompassing right now. Um, the word going round that we got over here was when Republicans were refusing to tell the Trump lie about the votes. Uh, because, of course, they don't want to destroy democracy, <laughs> essentially, or help no. get it down. Uh, when no. they were refusing to do that, uh, apparently Trump entered like a white-hot anger. And that was the news that got around here. Immediately, all of us are like, well, if he's white-hot anger at that, he better brace because he's about to lose. <laughs> and then, of course, he comes out. It's like, and then the photos come out of like him almost as white as his hat. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, uh, this might, the next few t- days might be interesting. <laughs> to say, uh, from a, from sure might be interesting, but yes, that's a. I was meant to just that was meant to be a quick gag, <laughs> and I've gone in. You know, I, I, it, it. it really is like a ripe. It is really is ripe for a wrestling character. You know, it's just something like you know Brody Lee's Brody Lee's character could easily take on, where you know he you know he can't he either wins or he's cheated. You know, he mm. he never you know always having like an excuse as to why he lost. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've said it before, like during the rest of his campaign, like, I've said it before that. Are probably not on one of these shows because it it doesn't naturally come up until recently, but the uh, the kind of because he's such a huge wrestling fan, I've often thought, how can he not tell that he's showing so many attributes of the bad guy in wrestling? <laughs> it's just like well, you're a huge. Oh, I think wrestling he. Fan. I think. Oh, I think he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> it just. It's like it's the whole thing. Like he's demanding respect, like a heel would do. He's like, "Cheer for me! Why aren't you cheering me?" Boo! <laughs> it's, just, it's like, oh, he is a wrestling heel. <laughs> it's just, and that's not even the height. That's nowhere. That's like one of the lower forms of bad guy writing. <laughs> and he's at wrestling heel level. <laughs> I, I thought, you know, you mentioned the pacing, and I think that mm. it was a. I think it was a very, very good decision to move the Orange Cassidy, John Silver match from the by. In yes. to the main card because originally because it was advertised as being on the buy-in um even i think even like the start of the, of the show they said it was on the buy-in mm-hmm. and um it actually ended up being second after omega and page which, which was a great choice for the opener um and then you you know you roll into silver and um and cassidy and, and that just like keeps the pacing going very well mm-hmm. um and is as you know, I think I so I think like week one, two, those are perfect, you know, ways to do it. And was it was the third match the uh TNT championship back Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah, so, it like, so, so 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 really that first like you said, that first hour hmm. um was just you know, you had that you had that great match to start it off with. You had Cassidy versus Silver, which was 
a blast to watch. And then you've got the great, um, the great uh, match between Cody and um, now I just lost his name. What the hell, Darby <laughs> Allen? Um, you know, ending with ending with the title change and the and the, and the big crowd noise, and then of course Taz and his guys come out there to um, to ruin the moment, which was just beautiful. <laughs> so. Yeah, we'll get to it. We go into the matches, uh, but yeah, and uh, but I will say that after that, it's in places it slowed down, but mm-hmm. like towards the end of the matches, I was always brought back in. So, uh, like, I, I guess another example would be the. Women's ma- uh, the AW Women's Championship, which is uh, a, a whole division really suffering from inconsistency right now, and uh, or without a without a truly like any long vision going in there. And again, the reason it stands out is because we are measuring AW by this higher bar. And if you look across the board at the rest of the show, excluding the buy-in, all of the matches had like builds and angles and things going somewhere. Aside from your comedy match, obviously, like John Silver, Orange Cassidy, like everything had. Like, so many layers to it, so much history, so much potential future, spinning off from everything, that something like this, which is a, I guess, late-in-the-day match that was added in, it stands out. And there's been a lot of talk on the internet of, well, is it good or bad just to suddenly add a match? It was like, well, again, if this was a one-off, sure, but this is becoming a thing now with <laughs> the women's division in, in AEW, where the matches kind of get added a bit late in the day, and there isn't much build to it. But the no, but is no, but, but you fine. know there, there was there is history between between those two for the championship, mm. um, and there was callbacks in this match to that history. So, um, while yeah, the, the the setup and the build to the feud leading up to it wasn't there. Um, I also do like the fact that AEW is not like WWE where they kind of like expect you to forget their reaction, oh, yeah. you know, what actually happened in the past, mm. and they're like relying on the, relying on your memory as a fan to know, oh yeah. Okay, so they're picking up from where they left off. It's just been a few months since they since the last time they faced each other. Mm. Yeah, and for me that meant that the match itself had a lot to it, and they have such great chemistry as well that they did put a very good pairing together. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, the longer the match goes on, the more I got into it as well. But that also worked as well, where they'd have like a white hot match, then the one after it would feel a bit like a come down. But in a good way, not in a this is filler, but in a a, I'm still being entertained (laughs) by what I'm saying. It's just not at this incredible level. It's at a great level instead. Then we go back to great with the tag team match for me. Absolutely love the tag team match. Uh, Then, again, come down with entertainment with Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara. Which leads to me for the only match which I felt like may not have been the best position on the card was Chris Jericho, MJF. But again... By the end of it, and what really helped was the crowd. The crowd was so into Chris Jericho at MJF. And just comparing that to the crowd at All Out, where towards this point, like the penultimate match, you could hear they were starting to get very tired. I know a lot of that was down to the weather, because it was boiling hot for All Out. And of course, the Matt Hardy injury kind of took people out of the show. But they were so white hot for the Jericho MJF stuff, where they ate yeah. up everything. And then that really lifted this match. So even though I might have felt a little bit of tiredness at the start, I was back into it so quickly <laughs> just because of how white hot the crowd was. And then we got our main event and suddenly it's been like three and a half, what is it, nearly four hours <laughs> and it's absolutely flown by. And for me that is all about card pacing. They absolutely nailed it for me, which is yeah. feels like quite a nerdy thing to compliment, but I, I, just, I just felt it in that first hour and then it never let. 
Yeah, that's something that Jeff and I have argued about in the past too. Is you know, does it really matter how long a show is, <laughs> you know, or is it, or, mm. or does it matter how long a show feels like it is? Be- because, mm. you know, I, I don't mind sitting down and watching a four-hour, four or five-hour wrestling show. And you, you know, you and I, you and I did it back to back last mm. year at Wrestle Kingdom, and I'm sure we'll do it this year at Wrestle Kingdom too. And mm. I've already got the days off, ready to go for that. <laughs> you um, him before you put the days off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're. You know, I'm, I'm sure you're down for it. Um, but the thing is, you know, that, you know, we watched those shows back to back and I felt like completely energized after both of them, mm. you know, and even though I was starting watching them at two o'clock in the morning. So it was kind of the, re- the kind of like the reverse where I'm watching it at like, you know, I start watching it at two o'clock in the morning and they get done at six o'clock in the morning and I'm still energized. Um, I'm energized all the way until, you, you know, I, you and I are done talking and I, you know, go to bed and I'm still like laying there for like an hour mm. trying to get calmed down enough to, you know, sleep. So. Um, and you know, this show wasn't that to that level for me, but it's still, like you said, it's, you know, it was really fast paced. Um, it was very enjoyable. Um, I, I, and I think, you know, I'd be, you know, even more energized than I am right now with the result of the show. The main event had been different. I saw a lot of people have got behind Kingston, which again, shows you just how great Kingston has been. As in, he's been there for, again, such a short amount of time, and he's been so good, so consistently, he's uh, uh, showing off his promo game. And I guess like people like us who have followed him before, like a big explosion onto the C- onto the AEW, like, it's, it's like, yes, it's so good to see him get so much acknowledgement and so much praise on this stage, where, having seen him for years, uh, somebody... Uh, tweeted out one of his promos from Chicago from 2011. I, I have retweeted it. I think it was Chicago <laughs> from 2011. And the person was just saying that Eddie Kingston, I was a kid and Eddie Kingston talked me into the building. <laughs> As in solely <laughs> on a card with so many people that like, I had to see him, that <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, he's, he's so great and, you know, we, we, he's, he's come on so strong so quickly and, but then you know you you also know he's in an I Quit match and you know that baby faces never lose I Quit matches, <laughs> um, so I mean it was pretty obvious how it was going to end. But but my my other but the other thing is it not just being Eddie Kingston, but it's just the fact that it feels like Moxley's never going to lose. You know it feels like Mox you know and it feels like they won't pick a guy that wasn't a WWE guy to be their champion, and it just drives me up the fucking wall. <laughs> so like for, um, for me it was a uh, kind of. Shifting, as I say, shifting to Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, and like if anyone's gonna beat him, because there's a lot of uh, one of the main things people keep bringing up is well, Wrestle Kingdom's coming up, and the the word is John Moxley is gonna be on those shows. So what's gonna happen between now and Revolution? Is it gonna be a thing where because he'll he'll have to do a two week quarantine because the world isn't letting America in right now, so. He'd have to do a two-week quarantine, meaning he'd have to write him off TV if he's going to be on Wrestle Kingdom. And that is the theory, is that he will be on it in some capacity. Hence why you got Tanahashi fighting Kenta for the IWGP US briefcase. I can't remember who won that match. Why can't I remember? I won't say it. Don't, don't, t- don't tell me it. because I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Bloody convenient then. <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's like, it's a briefcase being hotly contested and John Moxley holds the title. He's like, well... Gado wouldn't be booking that if he didn't think John Moxley would be on the show. <laughs> so the question is, how is he going to do that? How are they going to write him off AEW? Are they going to? Are they, are they, are they just going to openly say he's going to compete for Japan? He'll be off for a couple of weeks. Because again, 
AEW could do that. And they might not do a WWE write him off, where's he mysteriously going? They could just say, <laughs> which is another uh, thing, and he doesn't drop the AEW championship or anything. Because I wouldn't be surprised if they do something to not give us Kenny Omega, John Moxley. Just, um, like, just one more time type of thing before they then do give it us maybe even at full gear next year just to make the pay-per-view always about John Moxley, Kenny Omega for like a three years in a row. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I don't think they're going to wait all the way to a revolution for that match. It's going to be happening sometime soon. But... um. And that's the other thing that I that I mentioned to Jeff is that is you know that you know he he was facing he was facing Kingston he's already beat Kingston he's facing now he's facing Omega he's already beat Omega I mean there's it, he should be facing somebody for the first time when that title changes hands and it should be somebody that isn't already that wasn't already a star because otherwise what's the point of that reign you know I mean that's the thing is like you you have these long title reigns for from first Jericho and now Moxley and um, if Omega wins it, he was already a star. So who did it really help? That's the thing. Is and, and that just, you know, it's kind of the same argument with, you know, of you know, Brock Lesnar being the guy to to end the Undertaker's streak. Um, Lesnar was already a star. He didn't need that. Omega's already a star. He doesn't need to be to be the guy that that ends Moxley's undefeated undefeated streak streak and end his reign. It should have been MJF if that was if that was the case. It really should have been. Um, so I really, I really would like to, and that's you know one reason why I wish Paige had won tonight because um, Paige winning the championship from from Moxley is a, a fresh match that we have not seen before, and B would mean that a young up and coming guy ended the undefeated streak of Moxley and won the championship from him. I just, uh, I was just watching myself on the stream and realised that I've just sat there scratching my head. <laughs> it's like maybe keep a note of that, Matt. Don't <laughs> do, do, do a crap image like that. <laughs> just... Were you scratching your head because you didn't understand what the hell I was saying? <laughs> <laughs> like a monkey, you were scratching like your head and then your armpit with the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to throw you a banana? Yeah, yeah that, that's that's my concentration. <laughs> Normally, I can hold it back, but when I'm tired, I'm just yeah, just I can't I can't hold back any of my natural <laughs> reactions to things. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably wise we. It's, I feel like we've accidentally hit a topic which is quite a quite a vein to mine, <laughs> but we are meant to be covering a pay per view, so. Uh, <laughs> well, like, yeah. what else? What else is new? <laughs> I, whenever I've got a guest on, I always warn the listener, the viewer, what have you, that uh, whenever I get guests on, it's it's normally someone I get on with, aka someone who's also quite tangenty. <laughs> so it's quite difficult to well, rein it in. <laughs> so, but the, but, but the yeah. fact is, this is the history of, of you know aftershocks. I mean, mm. the guy the guy who um, founded the aftershock show, Steve. Hey, Steve. Hope you're listening. Hope you're doing well. Um, Yeehaw. He's, he's from the south. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, he would use the springboards to, you know, title title matches, title situations, what's going to happen in the future. So it's, it's, not like it's, it's not like it's out of bounds to be talking about something like this, you know. I mean, I'll draw the because, straw. Because, but... because, everything, because everything in pro wrestling, you probably know this already, Em, because you're a big wrestling fan and you, you do a podcast about pro wrestling. But everything about pro wrestling is about the follow-up, mm. you know. Yes. So, then where's it? Uh, you see that quite often with, like on Twitter especially, where it's the judge the thing in the now, and quite I, I found myself quite well. Like with a storyline happening currently in NXT, where I'm just saying well, I can't draw judgment on it because he's still setting it up 
then you got loads of people, what's your take on this and that? And I'm like, but there's clearly still setting it up. <laughs> How am I meant to draw <laughs> a conclusion on that? So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not somebody with hot takes, really. I'm not somebody who will do like a flash opinion of something. Like uh, the, I don't know what's called in America, but it's the Vox Pop, aka like just the, when you interview somebody in the street on their opinion on something. Like when you go to a random opinion on the street and go, what do you think of this mandate that's been passed by the government? <laughs> just a random person. Uh, my thing is, well, I'm not educated on the matter, so <laughs> what am I going to know <laughs> about it? So, yeah. Oh, so so like a hot take is like Pat McAfee's new stable is the, is the new version of the Four Horsemen? <laughs> I have seen that take. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was, I think so. I think uh, Wade Barrett called them Pat and his Merry Men, and I was like, as somebody from Nottingham, I highly approve of that name. <laughs> I highly approve of that. Pat McAfee is Robin Hood. That's wonderful. <laughs> I just love that. I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yeah. I will say, in terms of tangents, I've sometimes drawn the line when I found when I've had uh, James Boyd from One Nation Radio on, and we're talking about different chicken shops, <laughs> and I'm like, right, this has nothing to do with wrestling. <laughs> we need to definitely bring this back, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so uh, that has happened before, as in this isn't even close to wrestling <laughs> type of tangent. Uh, but yes, yes, full gear. Let's talk about full gear. So yeah, so, so are we starting starting at the top or starting at the at the beginning? Well, so normally. I'll start at the beginning, but we spent sorry, at the main events, but we've take, we've kind of uh, talked about the show overall and kind of hit on everything, so we could easily just go through the card in order. So, okay. that's, that's our Wrestle Kingdom tactic, because the Wrestle Kingdom shows are so long. <laughs> it kind of makes sense to just go bang, bang, bang through the card. So we'll do the same here. Uh, plus, it stays with production as well, as like a final production thing, because I've got a few notes on this with the buy-in. So, we had the NWA Women's Championship of Serena Deeb versus Alison Kay, also two... Uh, two great indie names to see getting another spotlight like this. And yeah, it was the NWA Women's Championship with yet another solid a- AEW outing. Uh, this time as your like, solo buy-in bout, showcasing how much AEW has improved their pre-show game over the past year. So this is another thing I'm measuring AEW by, because they've only been alive a year. And to say that they're being compared to a company that's existed for how many decades has, and has entered a mainstream culture on numerous occasions over so many different decades that it's like for me the comparisons of why aren't you at this level was like oh ob- it's obvious <laughs> it's obvious why not <laughs> things don't all slot into place immediately so it's for me it's how they step forward and looking at their buy-in the difference between the full gear buy-ins last year and this year it's like night and day like last year we essentially got a mini card with like very little in the way of actual promotion or trying to convince us to buy the thing. <laughs> it was just mm-hmm. a little card with like mini matches. But now we were told like off the bat, this is the match we'll be getting on the show, on the buy-in. And then these are all the matches that are going to be happening on the pay-per-view if you purchase it. And they spent like the first half hour going through all the matches on the main show. Then we had our featured match. And then the final 10 minutes were the promotions for the remaining matches. So yeah, it was an actual promotion for the pay-per-view. And it, again, it's like night and day, like such an improvement over this, this time last year, as in it was an actual buy-in this year. I feel like that's that deserves applause <laughs> to show clear improvement from one year to the next. So yeah, yeah, and and you know, I and I don't want it to be like the other companies' stuff where they're sitting there, mm. like in a sports in a, in like a sports pre-show type thing, talking around a desk about. Oh, this happened. This and this happened. This. What do you think mm. about this? You know, oh, like, I, I like that, I, 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 you know, I. <laughs> Do they? 
yeah, they got uh, like oh, it's, well, I say I say it's like them, but it's imagine they haven't got the they, they try and do the the um, green screen background with them sat at a desk, but they haven't got the budget oh, to so light stupid. it good. That's <laughs> so no, I mean, I, I like the way they did this here, where they got, you know, they have the sit down interviews where you're talking, mm-hmm. or they're talking to the announcers, or they're talking to, um, you know, background players, or they're talking, you know, to the talent. But it's all in a in a, a prepackaged type of situation, and I really like that. I really like the way they did that. My only my only thing I would say about it is I is I didn't need them to replay the same same stuff they had in the pre show during the actual show. Mm. And they, which they did a couple of times. Yeah, I, I get that feeling with, I think every company that has like a proper pre-show then goes into the main show, they all do this where you realise, oh, I'm going to be watching the same video package over and over, which yeah. somebody like me, I've got like 3,000 words worth of notes, <laughs> so I am writing stuff down. <laughs> so for me, that's great because that means I can catch up where like I've got halfway through a sentence, had to stop because the next thing's happened. Like th- That's good for me. And I, I realise that's not how most of the people who've bought this show will actually watch it, but it's good for people like me, <laughs> for covers of the pay-per-view, so I can actually catch up. Uh, but it does mean... Well, well to be fair, I've got, I've got like, I don't know, like 25 pages of a book left to read because of that. So, so I, <laughs> I was I was thinking during most of that promotion, I was kind of glance up every now and then for something I was really interested in. You know? <laughs> oh, so it had its own little pro yourself, so that's good. Um <laughs> But yeah, so uh, that, yeah, a clear improvement, and that's great to see. But for the match itself, uh, Alison Kay is a former NWA Women's Champion herself. Uh, listen and to a the for, and a former Impact uh, Knockouts Champion as yes, well. Yes, uh, listen to uh, the NWA Legacy series for their. I think they were covering it during her reign as well. If I'm right, I remember them talking about Thunder Rosa a lot. It might be because they were wrestling each other. Obviously, I can't remember which one was champion <laughs> when they were covering it. Uh, anyway, it would have so... been Alison. Yeah, so like with the uh, strength advantage over the veteran was Alison Kay, uh, but Deeb had the relentless edge uh, in this match, and that was a nice little thing between them. Uh, again, nothing incredible. This was just a solid buy-in match, and uh, when I checked on Twitter to see what people's opinions were, uh, the general consensus seemed to be if this was a tryout match, then Kay passed with flying colours, hire her. <laughs> seemed to be the consensus <laughs> of it. <laughs> Again, yeah. nothing incredible, sure. nothing to outshine the main show or anything, but just a solid outing. And the real kind of point of it is at the end when Thunder Rosa came out. And it's like, after all the speculation of what's happening to her, there's word going that, oh, she's going to NXT. People got mad at her for her apparently going to NXT. <laughs> when all, all, all she was saying was, well, she wants to continue doing some MMA fights. And she wants to go to the place that lets her do that. So they were pretty much... That was, that was a key thing in her contracts that she wanted. Uh, and blatantly, nothing had been decided. And now she's in AEW again. She's not gone anywhere. <laughs> so, uh, so speculation out of nothing, seemingly. Uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah, that, you're right. I mean, that was definitely the point of it is that, you know, the the big news to come... The big part to come out of the buy-in was Thunder Rosa was back out there... And challenging Deeb for her championship mm. um, to try to you know try to get the title back that she just lost to her. They said eleven days ago. I thought it was I thought it was a little bit longer than that. I thought it was like a week, like two and a half weeks ago, not just one and a half. That's, weeks, that's but... twenty twenty for you. Okay. <laughs> it's just time <laughs> I thought it was eighteen days, not eleven days. I guess, but you know, they, they said eleven days, so I'll believe them. Um, but. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you know, does that really mean that she's with AEW, or does that, or because they're because they're doing this thing with the NWA Women's Championship, 
Um, so I don't know, do they have a working agreement or, you know, is that mm-hmm. going to be part of, you know, is that, yeah, I, so I don't really don't know if that means that she's signed with AEW or they're just helping to promote the NWA for the future. Well, you know. Not to accidentally transition as well, but we also saw Don Callis of Impact, <laughs> Impact Wrestling, commentating on our opening match. and That was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that was, again, for, for us especially, us uh, New Japan nerds, <laughs> having Don Callis commentate a Kenny Omega match, it's like, it's like oh, it's been years, <laughs> but the pairing is finally back together, <laughs> Callis on Omega. Because that was like a key thing of during the Okada Omega matches, you had Callis fawning over Omega the entire time, <laughs> which was, it just really, really added to it. And getting that pairing back together, is like, oh yes, it feels like home. <laughs> well, the other, you know, the other great part about it is if you follow Impact at all, Callus is, is an announcer there, mm. and and he would make it like, he make like a little allusions to that when uh, Brian Cage would have matches, you know, <laughs> the Terminator clap mm. and things like that. So it's it, it, so it's kind of like full circle. Now they're both now those two are both in the same company, um, and so you know the, the Terminator clap is used by both of them in the same company. Um, but then you have Callus, you know, now commenting on, like you said, an Omega match, and so it's all, it's all kind of like um, worlds colliding all the way around. Yeah. So the opening match of the actual pay per view was the final for the world title Eliminator tournament. It's easy for me to say. I said, I think I just said Eliminator. <laughs> so well done, me. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page, the two former tag team champions going against each other. Uh, the elite story in AW right now, and talk about kicking off the pay-per-view strong. <laughs> this just lit everybody up, just suddenly like, oh crap, this is the opener. Right? Kicking off in style, <laughs> with an incredible matchup. And the word of the day seemed to be urgency. Kenny Omega really kicking up the pace whenever he was in like control of momentum, which meant that Hangman Page was also answering and climbing to that level. Like when... Pretty, I want to say it was early on, but it's probably only halfway through the match. Uh, Kenny Omega went for the one-winged angel. And that's kind of like a bit of a disrespect to go for it that early. But then Hamman Page goes for his own one-winged angel and then goes for the bookshot lariat as well. So it was kind of like whenever Omega elevated the match, Hangman was there to like level, meet him and that's the level we were at. Meaning it was hurtling along. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. Like starting off with the like scouting each other's offense as well. This is just yeah, such such a fantastic opener. <laughs> it's just, um, there are multiple great spots as well, and little character tweaks as well. Because uh, Kenny Omega had his injured, uh, like slightly tweaked leg. Uh, there was like a nice spot with him uh, running across the apron and up the turnbuckles, but then Hamman got just enough time to run in there and grab him back in with a suplex. That was neat as hell. But there's a bit of Kenny Omega just in the sense of like he was going like, yes, I am Kenny Omega. Watch me hit my moves that you love. <laughs> but he's clearly not right. <laughs> and he's, he's kind of like in denial that there's anything wrong. <laughs> it's like it's just like I'm going to hit the you can't escape anyway because you love this move. <laughs> so I just love that. Uh, just, and it's a little, little character tweaks that's been happening with Kenny Omega with his over-the-top entrance as well. And again, the pace of this match was so fast from the get-go. Like with these move scouting stuff at the start because they know each other so well. Then Kenny's run of Flash, doing moonsaults off the barricades and go for the you, the you Can't Escape stuff. Then Paige fought back, then Kenny fought back, and then right into an awesome back and forth, even Stevens. Uh, first Paige winning out of quick the quick offense into a dead eye. 
which wasn't enough. Kenny Omega not messing about with his own momentum. After winning out the next string, he flew in with like fee trigger after fee trigger before crashing the hangman down with a one-winged angel. It was just so quick. <laughs> and I've, I've uh, in my coverage there, I've skipped paragraphs that I've written down because it was just, it was just so fast. <laughs> I thought this was an amazing opener that just never let from when the bell rang. Really, really like this. Yeah, no, it really was. I mean, this this is goes down in you know history as one of the best opening matches of all time, right? I mean, I mean, we got we got stuff like, um, you know, Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio from SummerSlam 2002, and we've got stuff like Bret Hart versus Owen Hart from WrestleMania 10, and then we've got Kota Ibushi versus um, Will Ospreay from uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14, and then we've got or is it 13? 14. Well, I think, 13. I think the one before might have been. Tiger, Ma- Tiger Mask White versus Tiger Mask Dark. <laughs> so the opposite <laughs> of an amazing two wrestlers that I really like. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, but, the, you know, this, yeah. but this, but this, this definitely like belongs in that company, and it was for something really important too. You know, I mean, we you know we have this we have the show ending with the world title match, but starting with the world title number one contenders eliminator match, right? Mm. So um, we got this fantastic match. You got the personal issue between the two of them. Um, where you know you could actually see the personal issue between the two of them, even though it wasn't didn't like evolve into hatred or anything like that. You know that we didn't get from Omega from Evil versus Sonata in their match. Um, and here we've got you know two great wrestlers going at it. You know you've got this spot where you think maybe Hangman's about to pull it out at the end, and and you know get his get his get his victory over the over his. Um, not even nemesis, but you know, former partner, and it's it's no surprise really. I mean, these guys that these guys put out this kind of match of the year type match, right? Because they've already had two of them this year in tag team competition. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, the the two best tag team matches in professional wrestling this year, these guys were part of. Um, so I mean, to, to them to go out there, out there and do it in a one on one singles match, especially as great as Omega already is, and as great as Page is growing into. It's not a surprise, and yeah, this was absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to see these guys down the line. If you know, maybe for that championship, if Omega wins it from um, from Moxley, mm. and because uh, yes, because their story because their story's not over yet now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely not over yet. This again, another chapter. We'll get to that when we get to the uh, books match later. But it was just yeah, if, like another chapter. In the next, again, this is what AW over time is starting to feel like, and this—that's something New Japan's put in me, where it feels like the next chapter in the thing. The difference is there isn't any like grand final venue or anything. There's a WWE of WrestleMania, uh, New uh, New Japan have Wrestle Kingdom, but AW they don't have like a major show which is clearly bigger and different than everything else. They they don't have that, which means it just continuously keeps on going everything is it's just, it's just continuously building and there is no finale which so far and it's only been a year i know but so far that's really helped them because it constantly feels like they're just building to the next thing and what happens is them building to the next thing and they keep referring to what's happened in the past which means over time it just becomes more and more layered which means yeah again it's the phrase i think i use when jumping to new japan from wwe it was the more you watch the more you get out of it Yep, which is absolutely, and then as a fan, as a viewer, that's what you want. <laughs> that that is the thing you really want for something like this. Which is again, it's just great to see. And Hangman versus Omega is just getting started. Hangman Page 
for me, how much, when we you were talking about earlier about who's going to be like a few AW's like first world champion who isn't like a former who wasn't like a former big star going in or former WWE guy. For me, it's Hangman Page, but I don't think he's beating John Moxley. <laughs> for me, <laughs> like I see him beating Omega, but I don't know if Omega beats John Moxley. <laughs> so I need a different thing to happen first <laughs> before I then get to Hangman Page. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's and that's where the story should go. It should, it should mm. go to it. You know, these two are finally completely at each other's throats in a blood feud for that championship, mm. and and Paige walks away with it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I really, I, I really liked here where, you know, they're talking. You know, where Paige said, coming in. You know, Paige said coming in that he had counters for all Omega's moves, right? Mm. Um, but it actually ended up being Omega that had that had counters for all of Paige's moves. You know, because you know the the two the two big times that Page went for the for the uh, buckshot lariat, he got V triggered out of the air, <laughs> and he got ducked and then hit with two V triggers and then the one we did to finish it off. So I mean, the, the, and this is and that's just more storyline building where now, you know, Omega you know had the answers for Page. Now down the line, Page will have to have the answers for Omega. So. Yes, I, I, yeah, I really liked this. I really liked everything that this match did. It, it was really, it's up there with with you know one of my favorite matches of the year for sure. Yeah, absolutely fantastic opener up there with Tiger Mask White versus Tiger Mask Dark. <laughs> That's the greatest thing we've ever seen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, just yeah. Again, we talked about all the pose for it. I, I feel like I'm just elaborating to find a transition that isn't there, so I'm just going to do it. So the match after that, as I change the image. I say, come on, click. There we go. It's John Silver versus Orange Cassidy. Right, first off, Jan, do you watch a uh, AWBTE? No, no. I'm on and off, but when I, I think I tuned back in like a month ago or so, uh, fell out again, and then I'm back in going into this pay per view. Uh, John, so I heard people talking about John Silver, but I hadn't actually watched Being the Elite that much, and I'd heard people were liking Dark Order because they were quite entertaining on there. And essentially now, on Being the Elite, Dark Order are a group of goofballs messing about, being genuinely funny, <laughs> and then Brody Lee walks in and just says every, just shouts every swear word in the sun, uh, under the sun at them, just like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's just, And they're just so childish and messing about. It's It's such a great dynamic. It's so fun. And it's kind of slowly seeping onto AW Dynamite. But if you don't watch BTE, you're kind of like, well, why is this being featured in this way? What are they doing? What was? Why did they all buy lawnmowers that one week? <laughs> Some things just don't always click if you don't watch BTE. But John Silver, as soon as I watched it, I'm like, yes, I stand you, John Silver. You're an absolute boy. Get in my boy stable. Yes, <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> you are fantastic. Yeah, for me, yeah, I've gravitated so strongly towards John Silver, especially after watching BTE more. Just the, he, he's one of those people, he's, he's just so funny. <laughs> and then you watch him wrestle, and you're like, oh crap, he's an amazing wrestler as well. <laughs> it's just, the, it's, for me, uh, again, uh, it was all over the Twitter feed as well, so that's got quite a strong consensus. It was just people seemingly going, I wouldn't have predicted John Silver to be what like AW's breakout star this year, but... It it might be him. <laughs> Fans are really getting behind him. They really, really like him. I don't mean like a world championship level. I think I'm talking Luchasaurus level. <laughs> As in 
massive popularity for a bit and hopefully he doesn't get injured or anything. But yeah, John Silver was fantastic in this match against Orange Cassidy. In a, I guess I guess I count this as his AW coming out party because he's only he's been featured every now and then, really only in tag team matches. But here against Orange Cassidy, he was lightning at times. <laughs> I thought he was great. And again, in terms of car positioning, putting the comedy match second because this is something I've complained about quite a bit, where especially in WWE. Don't put the 24-7 title in the, in the third hour. I'm, I'm gone in the third hour. I'm not paying attention. Don't put it there. Put it If you put it in your first hour, it can be an awesome like come down from a certain moment or like a more up for things, so I might be fine with you putting your comedy there. But don't do it when I'm starting to get a bit tired or towards the end of the show when I'm expecting it to hurtle towards the end. This was perfect card placement for this match. Especially after that white-hot opener that went at an incredible pace. Then you have a bit of fun before then going back to a serious title match. And, yeah, I thought this was fantastic. <laughs> what, what did you think, Jan? <laughs> well, not watching BTE, I can't, I can't talk about you know, that aspect of it. But I, do, I, but I did see, I can't remember John Silver's partner's name, but I, you know, he, he and his partner were the first guys to join Dark Order you know, after Uno and Grayson, right? Mm. And... And I, but I had seen those guys that that tag team before in Evolve, um, in kind of a tryout match for Evolve, and they were fantastic there as a tag team there too. And Silver showed a lot of personality at that point for me as well. So I knew coming in that Silver and that Silver, you know, what could be a star on the rise. So um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of nice that you know they didn't end up signing with Evolve so that AEW was able to snatch him up because I think this is like a, a better path for Silver. And whatever the other the other guy's name is <laughs> going forward, yeah. And and you're right. This was a fun match. I mean, this this was definitely a showcase. You know, this is Cassidy needed to get a win after you know after you know drawing with um, drawing with Cody and then losing to Cody. But like, and he had to follow up. You know, somehow with the momentum that he had from beating uh, Jericho in that Mimosa match. So, mm. it, but it, but it was definitely fun to have him in. The, here in the second round, I mean, this is this is really where you know a good fit for Cassidy. It was also a good fit for Silver. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, like you said, it had the comedy aspect, but Silver also showed some tremendous wrestling chops in this match as well. And you know, it, but it was, again, perfect for Silver to to get that spotlight. I mean, this this to me was perfect. Um, Paul Heyman style booking, right? Where not not that that's like it was extreme or anything like that, but just that you know one guy got over the other guy went over and i think that's you know that's just the when you, when you can really do that strongly in pro wrestling that really says something and then this and this match did that very well and uh, again in terms, of, in terms of how the show was flowing at this point it, there was after kenny omega hangman there was one quick promo for aw games and then we were fast into the match like john silver's coming out like oh cool just hurtling along just Great show pacing, putting the fun comedy match after a barn burner opener. And uh, just a few little spots in there. Uh, the genius of John Silver to rip Cassidy's pockets off his jeans. 
I mean, he didn't need to eat them, <laughs> but still, it was a smart <laughs> thing. <laughs> but why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you eat them? <laughs> yeah. Like, again, people just on my Twitter going, ooh, Johnny Hungy. <laughs> just as he eats all the cheese. Uh, he didn't have a lot of fiber in his diet coming in, and he was he was hungry. What the yeah. hell? <laughs> uh, Johnny showed he was strong, too, uh, showing off uh, a one-handed press before going to spin orange down with a spin doctor. That was cool. That was really cool. Yeah, he did that, and then he went for the spin doctor. But then Cassidy then spun round and it really impressively into Ivana uh, or head scissors. And I was just like, oh, that that was so smooth. <laughs> that was so good. A uh, great final back and forth stretch with Silver's kicks and Cassidy's athletic reversals. Uh, the spin doctor, when he did hit it, was incredibly impressive, but not enough. Uh, Cassidy showing some urgency himself. There was no messing around when he had the upper hand and quickly squashed Johnny down with, well, it's an air rage, but I can't remember what he calls it. It's probably an orange juice pun. Beach blast. Is that it? Oh. <laughs> oh that's irritating. I didn't remember that. But yes, <laughs> fun match. And on to the next one we roll. <laughs> it's just, oh, just, and for me, this is how you do a second match. And I'm comparing it to my the most recent pay-per-view I'd watched. Like the entire card off because I didn't have time to watch all of New Japan. I did not get up to watch New Japan. It started at 8 a.m. my time. It's currently just gone 6 a.m. Can you guess why? <laughs> I knew it'd be up late. <laughs> That's a bit ridiculous for me to do that. But uh, the last one I stayed up to watch all of was Hell in a Cell. And the second match was Jeff Hardy Elias. And it felt like filler. It's like, oh, what? This is just a TV match on the card. So... Everything in WWE feels like filler. <laughs> I will say they're nailing some things, but I don't, especially because I cover Raw into the SmackDown when in reality of quality I should be doing it all the way around. I just can't do Saturdays right now. But yeah. Well, it's, you know, well, you know me. Yes, I do know you. Yes. <laughs> do you even, you don't even, do you, you don't watch NXT anymore, do you? I thought you said you stopped. Uh, I, I actually started watching again because they finally started pushing my boy where he, where he should be pushed. Um, Kyle O'Reilly. Oh, okay. Which is his boy? And then, yeah, as soon as he said it, yeah. oh yeah, of course, I've listened to you before. <laughs> I should have got that. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, on to the next. Because as, as you know, you've listened to me and say that, you know, Adam, you know, Kyle O'Reilly is way better than Adam Cole. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear it's when you were talking about it. I was, I'm trying to align it with the game I was playing when you when he said it, and I was like, I swear Kevin O'Reilly wasn't even in WWE. <laughs> and I heard him say it. It's been that long I've heard him say it, and I still can't remember. <laughs> uh, anyway, the match after this was TNT Championship, Cody versus the man Jan cannot remember, Darby Allin, with a skull or half across his face. And uh, first note for this match, uh, Darby, in terms of the entrances, Darby rocking up in his mate's beaten up car, smashing his skateboard into the windshield and entering the ring on his own. Compared to Cody with all the pomp, circumstance, fireworks, carrying himself like a champion as always, with the entire Nightmare family, which commentary is saying, is, they seem to have ballooned recently, that all of them by his side cheering him on. I love the contrast. Darby just by himself, and Cody with like all the pomp and circumstance all around him. It's like, ah, oh, I love that. <laughs> yes. It's, it, but it's but, fucking ridiculous that... That uh, Billy Gunn is part of the goddamn Nightmare Family now. <laughs> or which, or Billy Gunn or Austin Gunn, which is the which which Billy. is the best, which is the better gun? Uh neither. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're, they're, uh, as we always used to say about Chase Owens, it's like well, someone's got to take the pin, <laughs> so he's got to. 
There. I mean, technically, that's why QT Marshall's there. <laughs> Do you even need the guns? Do you really? Uh, but yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, it gives people around Cody, I guess. And they're pretty easy. Uh, I mean, if he's going to do a heel turn, they're pretty. The people we haven't got mass investment in, <laughs> so it's fine. Uh, really, Austin Gunn. He doesn't, he doesn't have to do a heel turn. He's already a heel. We've already. <laughs> I've said this many times. I was going to say yes. Yeah, another thing that <laughs> Jan has brought up quite a lot. And if I remember rightly, Jeff even pushed back on it, and I was like, "Wait, no, 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 he's onto something." <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's it's so it's great for me. It's like a great subtle thing where I feel like it, it is like a slight on purpose thing. But I only think that because I watched him in New Japan as a mega heel, and I start whenever Cody does certain things, I I see it. That doesn't mean there's actually anything behind it. <laughs> I just think, are you doing a heel thing, Cody? Because I, I remember this from <laughs> from your mega heel days. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, and uh, like the crowd, which is one of the first matches where the crowd were really into it before the bell, and and you could hear it on the audio. And I don't know if the crowd were incredibly loud all night, or if they did a really good job with the audio setup, as in like they finally nailed it to actually capture the crowd. Uh, it could be a mix of both, to be fair. Uh, I thought they were great all night. But the biggest, for one of the biggest pops of the night was a loud chant after Roberts introduced the champion as Cody Rhodes with his surname back in. And like the crowd in such a good mood after that that even Mike Chioda got a pop. <laughs> even he got a chant. Uh, it just it's kind of like a nice follow on after the he's got his roads back, everybody. He's finally Cody. Rhodes. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I you know, to be fair, like my I you know, I, I had watched I just watched the Biden thing and my you know, my wife I was talking to my wife, right? But it, I'll have to go back and, and listen to that again because that that's great. I mean I, I did I did read, you know, earlier in the week that he had that he had got the name back, but mm. I did not know he was actually announced that way tonight. That's just that's fucking that's balls. I love it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great feel-good moment right before he acts like a dick. <laughs> but it was, uh, be, yeah, uh, that, that's the Cody Rhodes way. He'll he will get in the crowd before the match and then acts like a prick. <laughs> so, is he a heel? <laughs> it's the question. Uh, these two have great chemistry together. Yes. Together. Like the smaller Derby makes Cody look all that meaner. And then Cody's great at looking, making Derby look like a great fighter as well. It's just uh, such a great... Like just to get across the heart of Darby Allen to like to not give up and keep on going, and mm-hmm. and Cody's growing frustrations. Things go on as in he carries himself like he's a perfect champion, but when you watch him wrestle, you see the cracks. It's like oh, it's just layers on it, and I love it. <laughs> it's great, so much to bite into. And obviously, you got your crazy Darby spots. They were on full display. Like one within first five minutes of where Cody hurled the man over the top onto the over the top rope onto the ramp. With a hammerlock, <laughs> kind of, he just lifted him up in a hammerlock and just launched him over. <laughs> it's like, well, that's your first crazy Derby spot, where any other person dislocates their arm, but not Derby Allen. <laughs> He's perfectly fine, and that made the limb wearing down afterwards totally believable because you've watched Derby Allen do this crazy stunt. It's like, yeah, your arm bloody would hurt. <laughs> Makes sense if he goes after it. And for me, it was a lot of really convincing. Oh, Time to sound nerdy. Really convincing arm work. <laughs> just, I'd not said that bit out loud. <laughs> I suddenly realised. <laughs> like my, my case in point is like a great emphasis where Cody dragged Allen down after he attempted a high springboard into a, like an arm drag, but nope. Back to the arm, Cody, go, Cody goes. Just dragged him down to the mat. I thought that was great. 
And it was. It, yeah, I, it, you very rarely see like a hip toss into an arm into an arm breaker, and that's what Cody did. Mm. So. Again, it's really difficult to not praise it without sounding wrestling nerdy. <laughs> Trust me, it was great. It was really well. Good. Yeah. Who else is listening to the show besides wrestling nerds? That's a very, that's a very good point. Yes, <laughs> we're all together in this. <laughs> Especially if you if you reach this point, I think we're already fifty minutes in. Which again, that's what AW does to you. You don't realize how quickly the time is flying by. <laughs> it's just so many layers to discuss about it. Uh, but yeah, the another spot that I really really liked was Arn Anderson getting a bit upset with Cody during the match. It wasn't just afterwards in the result. It was during it as well, where after he'd done a bit of wearing down on Darby Allin, Cody started showing off. He uh, did push-ups in the middle of the ring, which got a boo from the crowd, and then Arn was going off at him. He's like, no, pin Can him. I just, can I just, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm sorry you're interrupting again, but I, I just want to say that, you know, keep that in mind, guys, for later on when we talk about the women's championship mm. match, because that made it nice, because it, because it happened in both those matches where the manager got mad at their talent, but then the end result of what happened at the end was different. Hmm. And for me, this was like emphasizing that Cody had the match under control. Then he got Goddamn cocky. push-ups. Yeah, starts showing off. And that's when the problem starts in you. Like, short... Oh, you know what? You know what? I also have to mention, sorry again, but I also have to mention Jim Ross. You know, Jim Ross bugs the shit out of me, as you know. But he had a great line at that point. He said, those push-ups, those push-ups were disturbing for me, almost as disturbing as they are in my real, my, my own real life. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, I thought the commentary was like pretty strong all night. I didn't catch any issues with it. Again, I am writing copious amounts of notes, so I sometimes miss what the commentators are saying. But I didn't have anything. I didn't spot JR no. having any of his moments. <laughs> he just... did not. He did not. He was yeah. fine tonight. He was terrible yeah. at the last show. He was fine tonight. <laughs> That's good. It's good to hear. Uh, but yeah, I love the during the match, Arn Anderson getting annoyed at his guy for not concentrating on the opponent. That was great, <laughs> just seeing that little level of detail. And like to emphasise it as well, the movie Cody went for afterwards was a flashy moonsault. Like he still wasn't listening to Arn. Just, yeah, just great little thing. And like he had the match under control, but he started showing off, and Darby got back in with a string of offense. Like Cody paid the price, uh, meaning he then afterwards had to go to extremes to swing things back in. Jesus Christ! <laughs> so this is where. Uh, Cody, Cody does the extreme moves to get him in. And when I say that, I mean a goddamn crossroads off the top rope. <laughs> I was like, oh, sh- yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was, you know, you're watching a Darby Allen match where you, that, that was, a, that was actually a true holy shit moment right there. Mm. I mean, I mean, the, the, I mean, the, like, you know, the arm bar slam from the inside to the outside and then that crossroads on the top of those are both holy shit moments in this match. Mm. And they were great in. They moved things along without you going, this is definitely the finisher. As in, it felt like it needed something that big to swing it back in from Cody because he was losing it. He was, he was losing the hold of the match, but something that big immediately brought it back into his favor. It's like, yes. Yeah, and, and, then, uh, and then, you know, when, uh, when Darby landed, you know, when he landed, he landed with his arm outside the ring, um, and Cody goes for the, for the three count, and the referee won't count it. <laughs> and Anderson's like, and that's another spot, great spot with Anderson, where he's like, you got, when he comes over, he's like, "You got to be kidding me!" You know, kind of, kind of like arguing, like, "No, his his arm isn't like actually under the, you know." <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was really great. It was like a great spot to have a coach in too, because the coach was like, "Are you kidding me, rap?" You know. <laughs> uh, and that led to a damn convincing near fall 
as Derby hit everything on the champion. Uh, every single move, every wallet, including his special pin thing. Uh, he, hit, he hit everything on Cody. He, yes, he tried to swing the match back into his favour, but it was possibly too late. Derby had such a string of momentum, and that led right into the coffin drop, which was to no avail. And I bought that. It was just like after Cody had thrown that crossroads from the top rope and it wasn't enough and Darby had fought back in again and hit everything and then he hits the coffin drop. He's like, Cody's lost hold of the match. This is right. where he loses. No. <laughs> I was like, oh, I totally bought that. And yeah, it was, it was so convincing. Then we entered another string and the two ended up exchanging near falls one after the other and Darby, he grabs the three with one of them. You know, total shock from Cody. But it was so damn good. <laughs> it's just... Uh, it felt, it was one of the, again, another one of those matches where I could have totally believed they entered another string of offence. And, uh, yeah, it's like a nice equal thing. But, yeah, the exchange of pinfalls at the end... Yeah, I thought it was a great way to end the match. It was. A, I thought it was fantastic. Jeff, what have I been most critical about with AEW so far? Jeff? Jeff, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, can do, I can do. What have I been most critical? What, what have <laughs> I been most critical about with AEW so far? Do you remember? No, I don't remember. Cody Rhodes and the goddamn AEW TNT Championship. I do um, remember. I, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I hate that he made this title. I think I think it was way too early to be having a mid court championship in, the, in there. I have said for months it means nothing. Hmm. Um. I said that Cody Rhodes should not have been the first champion, but I also said that the only way that Cody Rhodes should be the first champion is if Darby Allen is the guy to beat him for that championship. Mm. Um, and despite, and I, I know, I know we had a brief interruption with Brody Lee holding the title with a very, with a meaningless reign. Um, but really, this is the moment I've been waiting for since Cody won that TNT championship. It's for Darby Allen to be the guy to not only beat him for it, but beat him cleanly for it in the middle of the ring. Um, so this was, for me, I jumped up and down and yelled, yes, 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 when it happened. I really did, in the middle of my living room. Um, my wife my wife, kind of looked at me like I was crazy. I think my puppy was jumping on me. <laughs> was he also like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> yeah. He's jumping up at me. Um, excited that I was excited. Um, this was a moment for a championship that I don't believe in. Remember, I don't believe in it. Mm. But for Darby to finally get that victory, his, his fifth try against Cody, um, and pin him in the middle of the ring, and then Taz's guys come out and interrupt the moment. But the reason I said it was beautiful earlier is because this also helps build that championship up and do something special, right? Mm. I mean, we've got this guy trying, and he finally, you know, he lost to Cody. He he drew with Cody, then he lost to Cody, then he lost to Cody in the, um, I think it was the semifinals of the TNT Championship tournament. Um, And then he lost to Cody again when he challenged for it. He finally gets the victory here for that title. And he doesn't even have a moment to celebrate it. Um, after Cody like gets on a knee and hands it to him, which was another great moment, um, and then Taz's team comes out there, and they you know they show what a big deal it is because they want that belt too, and you know we you've got um, Absolute Ricky Starks and the Machine Brian Cage, they're both holding that title and they're trying to tear it away from each other, <laughs> showing how much it means to those two as well, and then Jim Ross saying it doesn't belong to either of you guys. Mm. Um, 
you know, and that to me was, you know, the entire presentation of this match to me elevated that title. It elevated that title to something that I can actually care about now. And I think that, and, you know, other, you know, the, the match was great. No question. The match was great. It was a great way to end that first hour all the way around. But I think that now I can, the TNT title was something I can finally, for the first time since its inception, take seriously. And that's important. That's really important. Uh, I put out a tweet before the pay-per-view came online that there's something about Full Gear that really felt like a, like a season two opener. There was just something about it. I know they've had their season premiere technically earlier in the year to celebrate their one year for the one year anniversary. But for me, this felt like the season two opener. And going in, I was like, normally, in every other TV show, this is when you'll get like a big thing to shake it up. Like there'll be some form of landscape change. And for me, we got kind of two little things in that. One was this with Darby Allin, as in the AEW built name winning the championship, as in, like, this is the type of thing, when we're talking about that, that, that feeling of, oh, it's somebody, people who are already named are winning the gold. And for me, this is the next step. It's actually having names like Darby Allin winning championships in AEW. So it's great to see that kind of starting to happen like immediately, like essentially on my uh, season two premiere, what I'm calling it. And then the other one would be MGF Absolutely. in the in the inner circle, like another full uh, full gear built name, another AW built name uh, coming into like a big position in full gear. Which, uh, I thought was that's another thing as well. Uh, obviously, with the world championship, it seemingly they're taking their time. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it <laughs> with the. Uh, moving the championship about, which I, I guess I'm fine with. It makes it feel very different to the world we're used to. Uh, I, uh, not as not as uh, obviously not as New Japan fans because we're used to like how long was Okada's reign? Like three years. So we're we've experienced long <laughs> reigns. <laughs> it's fair to say, but like like growing up in the WWE world where they hot potato it, it's a massive deal if you hold it for one year. So. Moxley in the second reign for the company, I reckon he's going to go to Revolution with it. Um, so that that's like the like the second reign ever, and they go to that level in this kind of like they're making a point and they're establishing they're going to have long reigns, and I feel like that's good for the future. And in the meantime, they can build up names and elevate people to it, and that's where immediately we're like Hangman Page is like one rivalry away from being like ready for that guy again. Compared to this time last year, what an improvement. <laughs> what a level they've grown. That is fantastic to see. Uh, on the TNT Championship, one thing that I really liked that Cody did, and I feel like this is more... So this might be, just like you, you're watching it, <laughs> and you're like, Cody's being a heel here. Or is he? So the one thing we learn from the Hogan book is when somebody else picked up the win, Hot, uh, hot Dog Hogan was there to lift their arm up as well and go, isn't this guy great? <laughs> as in he's, he's hogging the spot. He's essentially, he's hogging the spotlight. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. It's like, like, in the, it's like you're unless, watching unless it. it. Unless it was Sid Justice winning the Royal Rumble. <laughs> uh, I, like, I've got that dated in my head as the, like, the first official like, crowd edit. <laughs> in the sense of, like, he got booed for doing that and then they edit, edited it so he gets cheered for doing it yeah, <laughs> it? yeah. It's like the writing was on the wall at that date <laughs> for, uh, for reactions. but yeah point being somebody else wins and Hogan's there holding his hands up like this guy's great isn't he like cheer this guy but at the same time he's hogging the spotlight so when Cody's doing the whole massive presentation of the TNT Championship to Darby Allin 
I'm getting that impression. <laughs> I was thinking, is he essentially doing the Hogan thing of ho- hogging the spotlight? Because if he is, I feel like he's doing it like on purpose to come across as a bit of a heel. <laughs> anyway, he's not. He's not totally being super respectful. He's trying to come across as respectful, but really, like he's taking part of the spotlight. He's not giving it up. It's like, oh, I like that when it's like subtle heel stuff like that. <laughs> this is, but that's what Cody does in a way, and that's why me and you can be like, no, he's been a heel all along, and then Jeff can disagree with us. <laughs> but I just feel, <laughs> uh, I, I like it when they do subtle heel things like this. I'm calling it that. <laughs> it was subtle heel. Compared to Taz, who's obviously like, shut up with your emotions. Okay, he's a heel. <laughs> it's funny to say that line. Uh, but yeah, he, Taz was out. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, that, and that's great. I mean, it, it definitely is. Mm. Uh, I can see that it was a subtle heel thing, but at the same time, it really does help elevate Darby. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know? Yeah, like, it's, it's, like, applaud it's all around. Not applaud it's applause all around. And uh, yeah, Taz comes out. He's, he's like, shut up with your emotions. Like, oh my days, <laughs> it's Taz. But he's just being a distraction. He's being overdramatic for a reason. In charge, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Uh, they beat the crap and launched Darby all over ringside. Uh, threw him into one of the full gear signs, which the crowd were, were hyped for. Then they threw him into the sign and they were like, oh, that was a bit crap. <laughs> but, <maybe not. laughs> uh, but then there was the big threatening moment of them to slam the car door onto his worked arm. And I was like, I was, I was totally believing they were going to do it. And it was like, oh, it all comes together with the entire working of it. And then it's like, they're being smart. They watched the match. So they go to really do damage to his arm. But Big Will Hobbs makes the save. Another like sudden signee from this year who's made an amazing impression. Again, at such a young age. Which is another thing to remember when we're talking about how great some of these uh, wrestlers are for AEW. Uh, like some of them are so young. Like Darby Allen, I think he's twenty-seven. So no, 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 no. He's like, is he twenty? I don't think he's twenty-seven. I think he's like, I think he's the same age as MJF. I think he's twenty-four. <laughs> oh yeah, I know MJF. MJF is definitely twenty-four because that's that's just one you look at to just make yourself feel sad. <laughs> but he's, uh, it's great to see such such a. Such an amount of talent, just at such a young age, and improving so quickly. Like the future of AEW, like they're really cementing themselves as being perfectly fine. Like to move on from the elite to these stars that they're taking their time to build. Uh, and this is a great moment. Okay, okay, to... you're right. I'm wrong. Darby Allen will be 28 on January 7th. Ah, right. Nice. So he would have been the year below me at school. If I'm trying to figure that out. Yes, that's right. Yes. Guess what? You guys went to the same school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We have this special, uh, a, call, uh, a special school, a bit like Hogwarts, where it's like a link between. Uh, uh, I guess oh, I should probably think of a nice way to describe what, the land that Delby Allen seems to live in. <laughs> Don't they? They're a nice way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's called Zoom. It's called Zoom. You, you, you have, I have all kinds of different, you know, intermingled classes these days. <laughs> uh, I was going to say to say that I grew up in the nineties and early two thousands. That may. My one, my world wouldn't have had that. It would have had to have been actual magic, with actual wormholes. That's true. To different dimensions of the world. Uh, yeah, but yes. Yeah, you know, you know, trying to explain to my eighteen-year-old niece like what the world was like without cell phones is like trying to explain to somebody. Um, I, I don't even know what. She's like, you know, how did you look anything up? How did you know things? <laughs> Well, the other one as well is how do you record things off the television? It's like, well, you had to get the magazine with the times of the shows in it. Then you yeah. had to get your, like, I don't know what it's called, the v- VHS recorder with your videotape. You had to put it in, 
and then you had to manually select the time and make sure it's tuned to the correct channel. <laughs> Just make sure you get it. But also make sure you're not taping over a tape with already something on it because you will lose everything. What's <laughs> a tape? <laughs> so, oh. I remember cars with cassette players in them. <laughs> Just explaining. Uh, like my dad had my dad had a truck with an eight track player in it. Good God! <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, like, I was a kid throughout the cassette, the dying of the cassette age, uh, and the birth of CD-ROM. That's when I was a kid, going through all of that. <laughs> so it was uh, interesting. Anyway, so uh, I mean, the PC I had as a kid was like a massive, like a massive. The massive one, the massive square PC monitors. That's what I, the first one we had in our house. That was a massive moment <laughs> getting that in the house. So, yeah. Of course. Uh, well, I'm trying to find my notes now after that tangent. <laughs> Here we go. Yes, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall cut a promo on Butcher and the Blade ahead of a rundown for Dynamite on Wednesday, and I saw like the general consensus seemed to be, "Oh, this is different," but I like it on Twitter. I wasn't sure. I didn't really do a judgment. I thought it was. I've also just realised I did not change the graphic from Cassidy and John Silver. There you go. There's Cody and Darby Allen. There you go. Forgot the next match up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's you know, and, and it's wonderful that they that they'd had that promo and they were you know they were hot red hot for it and then they said it was a bunkhouse match and then nobody ever explained to us what the hell a bunkhouse match was. So then I'm left wondering is going to be like a bunkhouse stampede where they're trying to throw each other over a cage, you know? So I have no idea what the hell is going on <laughs> with that. I, I was like, oh, it's probably a WCW thing. <laughs> that was my immediate reaction. <laughs> well, like, yeah, something I mean, dusty I mean, bunk, did. there was something called Bunkhouse Stampede in NWA, where basically it was, it was like a battle royal, but you had to throw each other over, you had to throw them over a cage. So right. I'm just wondering, is that really what they're going to do, or is it like, or is that just another name for a street fight? You know, <laughs> what was the name of the match where I want to say Dustin got fired, where they had the brawl in the back of the truck? Oh, that what was that called? Uh, that was a, that was a Roadmaster challenge. <laughs> right. I was gonna say that. That as soon as you said that name, I was like, oh, that sounds crap. <laughs> okay, Roadmaster challenge. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, to get fired over that match as well <laughs> of everything. Oh dear. Oh, as a fly flies right into my face. Right, let's move on. The AEW Women's Championship Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose, and we've already noted on this that this is yet another. It was a, it was a it was a King of the Road match. King of the Road. That's a better name <laughs> than what you called it. <laughs> it's Mas- a better name. It was a terrible match. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a moment in history which is kind of remembered, but that doesn't mean it's good. Like that, it's not remembered because it was an entertaining match. <laughs> it is more of a wait you. You got five for blading in that match. Well, out of all matches, did that one really need it? <laughs> like, really, really. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, a strong pairing. I've always, I've already noted that for me, it was a bit of a shame the build wasn't massive going in. But on the show itself, they played off their previous matches in history, so it felt like it had depth to it. It wasn't. This is a sudden matchup we've not we've not seen before. Pretend pretend you've not seen them. <laughs> type of thing. So this is AW. They're telling us what's happened in the past is relevant. We're not just going to forget it. And uh, this time, Vicky Guerrero was the differing factor because they've not had Vicky Guerrero in any of their past matches before. So she was the changing factor of the state of play. And uh, add double or nothing. Like she'd accounting Rose repeatedly reaped benefits. 
But here it more likely led to Vicky Guerrero saying hello. So, like, entirely different dynamic to the match. And uh, leading to Shida using more energy as she then ended up, like, lifting Rose over in the middle of the ring just to make sure Vicky couldn't do anything. It's like, oh, yes, there's a little adjustment in style, but that also meant that Shida was using more energy. And that meant after Nyla started working on her knee that she was really in trouble. And he had got to see the champion climb this mountain. And I thought that was like, I thought it was a match that told a pretty good story of Shida having to really adapt to the new situation. And then uh, Nyla Rose going, well, your finish is a running knee, so I'm going to kick you in the knee a lot. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. a genius, a genius idea. Not as genius as John Silver. He wins for the night, <laughs> ripping the jeans out. But yeah, attacking the knee, it makes sense. And uh, Shida fought back. She was obviously in pain. But the question became, like, how long can she last? Rather than if she will. Or, yeah. And uh, after one said struggle, like Rose power bombed the last down, uh, picked her up before the three count, though. And this is what led to the end of Nyla Rose wanting to send a message to instead hit the champion with her own finisher. And they did the MJF thing where she hits the finisher, but she does it really shit. <laughs> Just a really crap knee with like no force behind it. Uh, but it only gets a one count. And it's like, I'm fine with that. Because it was crap. <laughs> but it's the heel doing the move, but really badly. And then it only gets a one. As like, I'm and, and, and this is one spot where, where Vicky just gets so pissed off at her. You know, yeah. because she hits the knee and then she just lands on her, doesn't try to you know, hook her legs or anything. She's just hoping that like kneeling on her shoulders is going to get the victory. And yeah. it, it don't. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> and that was after Vicky had done so much work in the match as well. To constantly right. get in the way of Shida and do damage to the knee herself. And like going to ringside became dangerous for Shida, even if she beat out Nyla, because Vicky Guerrero was there. And I really like that. <laughs> it was a completely different dynamic, and he watched her adjust during the match. Uh, but a minute later, again, Vicky Guerrero angry for a reason. Like short, like Within a minute of that one-count moment, Shida was flipping the bigger lass off the top rope with a falcon arrow, really impressively. Uh, but she also lifted Rose before the three, going for the running knee, and again, she had Nyla Rose, but hello Vicky, <laughs> grabbing her leg. Uh, Ref Aubrey Edwards put a stop to kendo stick shenanigans, and down went Vicky, uh, back in the ring for Falcon Arrow, kick out not, uh, not enough, uh, Tamashi running knee, and a knackered kick out from Nyla. <laughs> After that, she seemed not of much in there. A knee strikes galore to Nyla, uh, Tamashi to the back of the head, then three or four strikes to the face, before the Native American warrior was finally downed, uh, she'd have attained. And for some reason, it felt like... Felt it was, for me, it was like a decent match, and then at the end, it kind of petered out a bit. But the story was that she was wearing down the giant, so it fit. So I'm not too critical. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it fit the story of it. And then Vicky, again. So this is... During the match, we did see Vicky get angry with her. And then... So it was like similar to what we saw in Cody, where during the match, you got to see that anger from the manager, the client, just like, what are you doing? But then afterwards, it's Vicky yelling at Nyla. Nyla, very clearly, almost so loud, it was like she was speaking into a microphone, says, slap me. <laughs> so Vicky Guerrero does slap her. Uh, point being, like, it wasn't Nyla who was lashing out. It was Vicky Guerrero. And she's the one who's like saying to forget it. And off she pops in anger. And Nyla's just a bit grumpy. <laughs> so, so I was like, is this like a face turn idea for Nyla? Or I don't think, I don't, 
Because I feel like AW were a bit better than that, but it was a bit... I don't know. I am not really sure. I, I really mm. don't know what they're, where they're going with this. Mm. Was it, it could have been a tough love thing. It could have been a, a face turn for, for Nyla, but who's going to... I mean, really, I mean, what else does she have left to do? She's already lost twice to Sheeta, so... I mean, you might as well try something else with her, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's got uh, the offense to do it, but the division's not been consistent, so I don't know. Yeah. That's... The vision with her has not been consistent from the very beginning. Even when she was the mm. champion, it just it felt really weird because they have not been consistent with her whatsoever. Um, I really like Nyla Rose. I think she's great, but I think that they really need to find a direction for her and stick with it. Yeah, to be and... fair, that's like the whole division's suffering from the same thing. Just and again, it sticks out for me purely because the rest of the product is so strong. And so clearly building two things that the women's division just feels a bit wibbly wobbly, and therefore it stands out. It's it does, thing. but but the thing is that even even with that, every time they have a match, mm. yeah, they kill it. They have a match, <laughs> yeah. they kill it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, mm. you, you, especially on pay per view, there's not been a bad women's match or women's championship match. Mm. You know, so I mean, it's uh, to me, um, yeah, the storylines could use work. The, you know, the division could use work as far as building it. Um, and and it's and it's a bit disappointing considering that you know that they had said that you know coming in that you know Brandy Brandy was going to be in charge of the women and they were going to you know they're just going to build a, a stacked women's division and maybe that's you know so, you know signing Serena Deeb and maybe signing um, um, Thunder Rosa you know is going to build is going to be uh, steps towards that of course um, you know losing B Priestley or firing B Priestley isn't you know does not help with that um, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the thing is that, you know, I think every time out, you know, there's been, there's been plenty of dynamites and plenty of pay-per-views where the women's title match or the women's match in general has been the best on the show. So, you know, it's hard for me to say that they're not doing a good job when in the ring, they always deliver. Yeah. I say it's more, it's what I criticize WWE for where when the wrestlers come out, I, I could be like, yeah, they've killed it in the ring, but there's, the story's crap <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> it's not that bad, but it's just, yeah, especially with the kind of product it's on, where they're, where they're killing it in so many different areas. That's why it stands out more than it would do elsewise. Elsewise? Sure. I don't know why. That, that's, that's late night <laughs> word order. Anyway, let's move on to the next match of what I thought was an absolute banger. FDR versus the Young Bucks, and boy am I glad that this delivered. Because I, I wasn't a massive fan of the match from All Out with the FDR winning the championships. Like, I liked the oh, result. Oh, I loved them. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> so I liked the result. I thought it was a fine match, but I think I was thinking I must have just been taken out by what had happened in the show and I was struggling to get back into it. Uh, but I, again, I it's more like I liked the story. I loved the angle. I liked how it was developing and everything. I was a massive fan of what spun off of the match. I just wasn't massively into it. But I'm happy to say I bloody loved this. <laughs> thought it was amazing. Uh, and also just making note that it's almost two years to the day where Matt Jackson and at the time Dash Wilder tweeted that one day the Revival and the books would wrestle and we'd all rejoice. And here we are <laughs> talking about that exact match. And it was great. And the entire, like as the match went on as well, I was just like, God, was everything a setup? Because it's all coming to fruition. <laughs> it's all paying off. It was, I think, uh, let's talk about the pacing masterclass of the first half of the show. 
for me, this is a tag match showcasing a similar thing. It's just uh, like there was no wasted moment in the match, and even if it was like a slower thing at the start, like a like a slower paced moment, it built to something, or it's then referenced later on. <laughs> it's a thought. It's just so great. Like the um, like especially early on, like FDR's separation game is a great counter to the book style, especially when Matt Jackson is clearly injured and part of the angle is Matt Jackson's like, no, I'm fine. And like, I love that in the video they played before the match where Matt Jackson is like, no, I'm fine. And Nick's like, no, you can't. You can't play with you. He <laughs> can't do anything. He couldn't do anything. Just as the conversation continues. So yes, I really like that. And this is like a, a nice showcase for the two team styles and building as they go up as well. And the references inside were great too. Uh, DIY has a big mention of like, was it 2017? When like the books from Top of the World DIY were and uh, Revival 2 in NXT. Is that the right year? I think. It sounds right. It sounds right. Mm. So yes, yeah, so like, well, when did the DIY spot then? So like, yes, it's just 2017 re- tag team wrestling all coming to a peak <laughs> as it's all conformed into this one match. And it was just, it was just fantastic. <laughs> it's just, uh, I'm assuming you were also a big fan of this. I didn't like it as much as you did. Mm. Um, there, there were, there were pacing issues. I thought there was pacing issues with it. Um, I, but I, I, I guess when I started liking it a lot was when, um, was when Harwood hurt his hand. You know, mm. when he, when he swung at Matt, Matt ducked out of the way he hit his hand. That's when I, to me, the match picked up. Um, so I think like for the first maybe seven or eight minutes of it, I was kind of like, I was out of it, like kind of like kind of bored with it. And maybe it was just because I had other things going on in my house at the time as well. But mm. but to me, that's where it kind of picked up for me from that point on. I really liked it, but I, I hated the end. <laughs> I really hated <laughs> the end of it. Um, I, I hated that, you know, that, that um, you know, their, their, their trademark, and they even mentioned it during the match, was um all fists no flips right mm. and how did he and how did they lose the match he does a flip right? he does a flip <laughs> yeah. yeah um and and they, i mean they pointed out you know that's not their strength but then not only is it not their strength they're not supposed to do it <laughs> they're just not <laughs> supposed to do it that's that's what they've been saying for years you no know, you know all fists no flips mm. um and you know he does that springboard uh 450 and misses it, and then not only misses it, but then um, Jackson hits him with the super kick on, with the with the the bare foot that's already been injured, and he, that's what he hits it with, and then falls on top of him to get the to get the one two three. I I didn't like it. I just didn't. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I I realized that like that all played into the story, but it just to me it was really cheesy. I say uh, one really thing dumb that, and really cheesy. I say that one thing that really probably really helped me with that would be seeing the watching the revival in WWE, and that was something they did now and then where Dash were in there. We're becoming desperate. We're not winning. Dash would do that spot. I know it's I've never seen him do that spot ever. Uh, so I, I, he's done flying stuff. I don't know if he if I'd flat out say it was definitely four fifty. I've got it in my head that it might have done it once. But in a couple of matches... No, maybe maybe he didn't in WWE. He never did an NXT. That's right. Oh, he never in NXT. Yeah, yes, 100% never in NXT because that was their style and the story. But when you get to the main roster, character gets eroded. <laughs> you just pick on things. Uh, well, if it, happened the... WWE, if it happened in WWE, if you can, you can, in the last three years, you can, you can bet your bottom dollar I did not see it. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking that's kind of why it might help my enjoyment of seeing that spot done in a way more logical way that made a lot more sense than where they've seen it before, where they do it, but the because you're saying that they're becoming desperate, that they're they're really they're becoming desperate to the fact that they might not win, and so he but why would, but why would he be desperate when he when he when he's got the leg injured, he's got Nick is knocked out on the floor, all he has to do is keep focusing on that leg. You know, and, and he and he'd already hit him with that. He like they they'd already hit, he'd already hit them with that monster super kick. So why not just try for the pin you know, there when he's knocked out? I just, no, that, that I did not find them desperate in that moment. So. Hmm. <laughs> I definitely I definitely bought the desperation way more than I've seen them do that same spot before. And I'm thinking that's kind of what helped with me with uh, not having any issues with that spot specifically. Is just because I've seen the same idea done, but this was one of the better ways I've seen it. So I'm comparing it to not as good things, and I'm like, yeah, I was fine with that. No and you and you thought it was logical, perfectly logical that Matt would hit a super kick with with his boot off, and a foot that was already injured, right? So I will say, when I was writing my notes, I missed that. I heard them shout super kick, so I just wrote it down in my notes. <laughs> I didn't realize he hit it with his bad foot. I was like, is that the wrestling logic where if it's bare? skin you're essentially hitting them with like the hardest force your body can hit and that's uh, that's a stronger for some reason because wrestling <laughs> it's just, yeah it's like damn it it's not like luger's plate in his arm I'm like no it's just uh that no he's like yeah no that yeah it's, it's weird wrestling logic <laughs> you hit them with a barefoot for some reason that's way more painful um re- wrestling <laughs> it's just yeah uh, that's, that's something established in wrestling before this. It, again, it doesn't make sense when you think about it, but there's so many things in wrestling that counts as. Um, I think my favourite example of that was somebody Irish whipping someone and they were taking the piss out of the Irish whip by doing it across a busy road and he would flat out just stop for traffic and then when it was safe, he would then run. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Just, take it, just, just breaking down the Irish, how the Irish whip makes no sense. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I yeah. I was uh, I was I was <laughs> I'm sorry that you you said this. So I, have to, I have to mention this. Like I I was once talking with my with my old column writing partner Double Helix. Um, we were like chatting on AIM. Oh, that's <laughs> <This is, laughs> how long ago this was. And uh, he and as I was chatting with him, he watched a kid walk across the street and just walk into a car. Oh shit! <laughs> like a parked car. <laughs> oh, a parked car. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, but but he's like, like a very walking, dark story. Like, yeah. He just walked into the car. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, my when I was out in holiday in Greece, my brother did that, and it was like a, I think it was like it was like one of the wide sports cars. So it was even more impressive. It was just, <laughs> um, and we were just like Ben, Ben, you're gonna you're gonna, and then he just bashed his shin on the front. Because <laughs> again, the wide sports cars are not that high. <laughs> he just. It's what is it's like a ow. It's like well, yeah, it was blatantly there. <laughs> How did you even manage that? That's <laughs> incredible. Yeah. So I first hand seen it. <laughs> Somebody's walking to a park car. It's not the same as uh, walking to a big wide window. I've also they're they're hilarious in real life, but also they're the, they actually hurt. <laughs> so it, it's a mixture of feeling bad for them, but also it's extremely hilarious. <laughs> so yeah. I'm a bit I, – I, I, and I guess, you know, a part of, another part of me that, I, you know, the reason I didn't like this match is I really don't like that the Bucks won the titles. Um, I, I realize there was a stipulation coming in saying that they had to win or they were not going to get shots of the titles ever again. But they're also heels right now, which would make it pretty easy for them to say, oh, no, I, you know, we didn't really mean that. <laughs> you know? I was trying to think of, a, of an out, but I didn't even think of that. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just and, like, nah. 
and uh and you know i i, I do like the, but you know i i like do like the fact that you know that uh um totally wasn't out there so the oh, so oh, yeah you know so the ftr can complain about that and you know a rematch for that but it also takes away like a really fun thing going on in dynamite where you know with the um the brush of the greatness challenges where um you know, FTR would would give a team twenty minutes, and if they couldn't beat them in twenty, if they could be, could last twenty minutes with them, then they got a, then they got a title shot. Well, they didn't really explore that that much, and the you know the last few months, and now it's gone. Um, so I'm I'm just I'm just not a big fan all around of you know the match was the match was good. It was I didn't think it was fantastic like you did, um, but you know I, it's probably you know to, for me you know in the in the four star range rather than the five star range. Um, but I also just kind of look at the entire presentation. I'm like, yeah, it kind of gets a fail for me until I see the follow-up. Because mm. it's AW, it's again, a different bar. <laughs> again, because we're not, we're, again, uh, as Janda said the sentence, four star, so it's a little bit, it's like, again, <laughs> comparing that to somewhere else. <laughs> it's just, well, uh, I mean, that's the but, bar but, we're but, working but, with. Of, but, of, uh, but, but if you yeah. think about it, then the other, the other two tagging title matches they had this year, one of them was the greatest tag team match in the history of professional wrestling. Yes. <laughs> and then a match that I loved like, you know, a lot more than you did. So, mm. I mean, it's, so, I mean, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm reading like this stuff saying, you know, this is one of the best tag team matches in a long time. And I'm like, I don't see it. So. <laughs> I mean, the setting a bar, which is great as, as a wrestling fan, like this is what, this is what we love <laughs> as in, as like, Oh no, it was only four. It's only like four, four and a half. I think I'd go four and a half for me. Um, Again, I'm somebody who uh, I have to constantly say, I'll, if I give a star rating for something, like I'll be like, but my words are way more important than the arbitrary number. Like I can, mm-hmm. I can really enjoy a three star match. Like it could be, but I can, but I can now afterwards say, yeah, but it was three stars. But I really enjoyed it, so the number means nothing. <laughs> so, oh yeah. yeah, I can I can definitely enjoy a three star match more than a, more than a five star match for sure. It's yeah. just, but you know, but because I can look at something and like that was technically perfect, but it didn't really move me. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, a three star match could, you know. I'm so. one of the biggest singers for Toro Yano in the G1, but I, I wouldn't rate many of his matches above a two or three. I, above a two, I guess. But that doesn't mean I don't love them. <laughs> so it's like um, that's a that's a great example for me. Well, I more often than not love the arc of Toriyano in a G one, but majority of matches I'm not going to give them that many stars <laughs> if I was to star them. Um, but that's... Toriyano started three and zero in the G one this year. I know it was it was ama- an amazing time <laughs> uh, where people, especially because um, again, my favorite some of my favorite New Japan fans who I don't don't interact with, but I will see. Um, it's just the, the genuine anger at that, <laughs> as in they were jet, like there was quite a few people going, oh, "Why are they pushing Toriyano?" It's like, okay, surely like, and I thought these were people who had watched G ones before. <laughs> I was like, assuming like me and you go into this, and then we're like, "Oh, he's he's not gonna continue winning. <laughs> it's Toriyano, but they've made him a threat, so he could." <laughs> That's what I love about it. Yeah, like, he... yeah. I mean, I, I rolled my eyes at it, especially when he, when he beat Sonata. But of course, Sonata ended up being fine, you know, because <laughs> to, to me, being a, such a big Sonata guy, watching all these years in a row where he's he's finished up with eight points, mm. and this year he got to twelve, so I was I was super happy, mm. you know. Yeah, so. and. Uh, that's what that's what I love about that kind of idea of a wrestler who could beat anybody, like legitimately, and the fact that he beat—I think I might be every single uh, lost single Benavides de Japón member. 
or former member. But he, but he can also lose in 18 seconds. Yes, <laughs> which is also fantastic. <laughs> so, oh, yes, yeah, I, I love Again, it's just so dramatic, I love it. <laughs> just, you have no idea what's going to happen in one of those matches. The atmosphere just lifts to something. And sometimes you get amazing memes like when John Moxley lost to him last year. <laughs> He's just staring into space. Oh, I said, yeah, I think it was great. Anyway, it's a slight tangent. We'll just say uh, for me in this tag team match, uh, the bit where I really started to enjoy it was towards the end where the things they'd set up earlier all started to come in. Like, uh, Jandrani brought up the hand, but there was like a little exchange where Matt Jackson and I want to say he's called Dash Harwood now, they hit uh, moves on each other, but when Matt gave the super kick, he super kicked the hand. Just like a little detail like that. And later yes, when they were yes, doing. Yes, that was fantastic. I agree. That part, yeah, was great. And doing the double sharpshooters. He then tried to grab, after they were grabbing each other's hands, he got pulled back and then he tried to grab the rope, but he couldn't because of his injured hand. And then he got dragged into the middle of the ring. It's like, oh, again, little detail. And then after that, they went full on on the hand. So it became more of an apparent moment. Uh, also, another moment was when Cash Wheeler, I'm learning these names still, <laughs> still don't feel right. <laughs> uh, Cash Wheeler dived to the outside with the um, I called the big E spear but it was, it was probably more a Steiner reference where they did the uh, they did the bulldog off the sitter bulldog off the top and then he dove yep. through the middle of the rope like big E uh, completely cleaning out his lad but then later in the match that was that's yeah I love that spot too I mean there's there's mm. plenty of spots in here I loved it just the mm. overall presentation of me wasn't top notch mm. for me it was mm. when he then went for the spear again to uh, to Nick Jackson later on and Nick Jackson read it because we'd already seen it and he just goes flying through the ropes <laughs> to the outside and then I think we didn't see him again until it was like the final ending sequences uh, but I was like at that moment I was like Jesus was was everything a setup <laughs> just as everything they did earlier in the match suddenly came back in this little final area and I wouldn't be surprised if I missed stuff because I was making notes but I that's partly why I love this match as in even because it was slow at the start but then the stuff they did there then came back all together, like one after the other in this big finale. Uh, and yeah, I was a massive fan of that. Anyway, I feel like we spent ages on this match and, uh, and tangents galore. <laughs> so, uh, but the big thing... Yeah, we're, 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 like an, we're like an hour and 45 minutes into the show already, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, say on the video, <laughs> I've, some, I've looked at myself sometimes and I'm like, I look like I'm high. I'm that tired. <laughs> it's just, I've gone that... I've gone that kind of half eyes closed. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I will just say, uh, I've got one more thing to bring up onto the screen, which is after the match. So I took a screenshot of it happening, where the young Kenny Omega walks on down to celebrate with his friend, sorry, friends, plural, with the books with their championships. But in the tunnel, just hanging there, is Hangman Page, just loitering in the entranceway like remaining in the darkness of the tunnel. Like he's standing there as his former friend stand celebrating in the ring. And I was just like, this company. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just a round of applause. <laughs> the the level of storytelling there. Just yes. Absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, great to see. Alright, let's waddle on onto the next match. It's the Elite Deletion. Yeah. So I was trying to the last time we reviewed a deletion match. Oh, it, we, I swear we've done one. Can't remember the last the last pay we were together for for AW. Um, to me, oh, it might have been the uh, Stampede. Actually. It was a Stampede. It was yeah. Stampede. I will to say, I was like, it feels like it was ages ago. Wait, no, it was June. 
<laughs> June feels so long ago. <laughs> this is crazy. That's it's because we're 2020, brother. Yeah. Is that, um, uh, somebody was saying uh, they were they were typing something out about Lance Archer, and then in their uh, notes they were just writing. Oh, and uh, Lance Archer, who uh, took part in Wrestle Kingdom this year. Oh God, that was this year. <laughs> just a sudden realization. So it's, like, it's the same year. Oh, <laughs> it's just. The John Moxley run in New Japan, that was this year. <laughs> it hadn't ended yet. The whole drama of him having to drop the championship. Oh, was that beforehand? I'm getting confused now. But it's, I know he had a match with Minoru Suzuki. That was this year. So, oh, it's... Yeah. Cra- crazy year trying to remember stuff that was in this same year. Cause so much has happened. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. so, we'll say... The Elite Deletion gives expectations. And... This was, a, this was a mixture of me genuinely popping, <laughs> really enjoying it, but also at the same time being like, I think I'm actually, as much as I enjoyed these, I think I might be done with them. Is I got both feelings. And that's maybe is the best way to feel if it is the last one. That is the best way to feel, I think. Where I am going, I might be done with these, but I also still pop massively, got great laughs and enjoyed the entire thing. Yeah, I, I am mid thought. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, because I don't know where I fall on it because I did have massive moments that I generally did enjoy, and for me that's a, a part of these matches. Is I don't always you don't always assess these matches on the overall. It's more of did it have moments that got you? And it's like yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. But then I was also kind of done with it. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, what did you make of it? Um, it was a match that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it definitely was not to the level of the you know the final deletion or to um the great war which i which, which the great war was my favorite tag team match of was that 2016 is it that far back now <laughs> um yeah. but yeah, but i mean but like you said i mean it had its moments i mean i i love the hurricane helmet spots for sure <laughs> um and um I thought it was. I thought Private Party were, you know, I thought, you know, they were great when they were actually in there. But I thought them coming to it was kind of stupid, you know, where they, where they, they looked like, like, you know, they're like, oh yeah, we're on our way, and they park, and they're like, are you ready? Always, you know, instead of just getting out of the car and running to help us, help their, you know, their mentor. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's going for the, that, it's the wrestling plot pop <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, oh, it's wrestling. Okay, okay, you don't operate in norm. <laughs> I guess best way to put it. You don't act like a normal person. You're wrestlers. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you know, and you know, Gangrel being there was odd, <laughs> and 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 you know, J and Jr. insisting on calling him David Heath was even odder. <laughs> I didn't catch that. that. <laughs> he did, that why did you call him Gangrel? Yeah, well, he was like, yeah, that that that, that was like the one spot on the commentary, and I was just like, what the hell? <laughs> why are you calling him? You know, he's like David Heath, also known as Rio Gangrel, also known as David Heath, and then he called him David Heath a couple more times, and I'm like. What the hell? Um, <laughs> I, I also don't know what the point of this was when you know for for Sammy to lose. You know, he I mean, he lost at the last show, right? Mm. Um, and now he loses again to to Matt Hardy. So that, that's not that's another spot where you know I look at these matches and you know sometimes sometimes for me like the like the like the my my not my enjoyment level necessarily but my rating level of the match hinges on like, do I think the right guy went over? And here I don't know, you know. Why Sammy, who's a young up and coming talent, is losing to Matt Hardy? My, I mean, I I know it's Matt Hardy's type of match. I know it's his mm-hmm. compound, but at the same time, you know, now he's lost in back to back pay per views to, you know, an old, you know, mostly over the hill wrestler. Like for me, I 
Yeah, I I read it as um, what's going to happen to the inner circle. Like, well, well, this is well, Sammy Guevara's dead. <laughs> so now, what about the rest of the inner circle? What happens now? Uh, what are the consequences going forward? Again, this, we've said this already. With AEW, you don't just think about it on the night. You think, well, what? I, I don't want to rate this entirely, not knowing what happens next. And it's so good to be able to say that. <laughs> it's just uh, the fact that we're entirely judging it on also what comes afterwards just because of how great the company is and how important it is what happens next what happened before and for me uh that's how i read it i read it as well what happens next and i was immediately looking at mgf chris jericho which was straight afterwards like well sammy's dead what's going to happen next <laughs> and we got the like an immediate inner circle follow-on segment with jericho uh as, uh, uh, yeah, and, uh, I, and I can see that too. I'm just, but to me, to me, the what next is more like what's next for Sam Guevara, who's like one of the best talents in the in the world, rising up, mm. and and you know he had the he had the great showing on Wednesday night um, in that tag match, and now he's coming out here and he's getting his ass kicked, even though he had a swanton. You know that that to me that swanton onto the onto the table felt like that should have ended the match. Um, and instead, Hardy kicks out and comes back, and he ends up beating Guevara with the kind of the concerto type thing to the concrete. Um, mm. I, I just I didn't like it. I didn't like <laughs> I didn't like the, the way that it ended. Um, and to, to, to me, it wasn't one of the it, it, like you know I talked about how you know a couple of times you know times on the show we saw you know one person went over, one person got over, right? Mm. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like this match helped Sam Guevara get over at all. I didn't feel like the last match of these two had helped Sammy Guevara get over at all. So what's the mm. point? Like I thought, um, partway through it, I will say that I thought we might be onto something when they were having the fireworks war. And I felt, see, and, and that's yeah. and that's what I looked at it. And maybe it's because I'm 45 years old now, and I'm getting this old man syndrome. But you know, four <laughs> years ago when it, when it was Matt and Jeff doing that, I thought it was great. Now, like four <laughs> years later, I'm like, they're gonna really, really hurt somebody doing that shit. <laughs> Uh, last year, last uh, four years ago, you're totally with them, like pew pew pew. <laughs> it's fine. Then this year, like no, that's dangerous. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'll, a, I've also become a grandfather since. So that might be that might uh, help. Yeah. <laughs> well, my 28 year old ass was like pew pew pew, <laughs> enjoying them, being complete childs, <laughs> firing the fireworks at each other, and like again, this match had so many moments that kind of popped you. Uh, and like again, right, I will say a great in terms of uh, the Hardy compound stuff. The recent world I'm still comparing it to is when he was doing the broken stuff in WWE, and immediately there's so many things. It's like yeah, it's just like Impact will be the peak when it was Hardy working with Jeremy Borash, and I'll always say Jeremy Borash was such a key part of these matches, and I feel like that's what's missing. Is it's him? It's Jeremy Borash. He is way more important to these than I think anybody realised. But uh, Matt Hardy's the second in command for that. Or maybe the first in command and Jeremy Boris is his like, much-needed assistant. But, again, he's still got a lot of that originality. Like, starting off, you started it with a hologram Hardy welcoming a golf cart-driving Sammy uh, before driving in on a monster truck named Straightjacket <laughs> to the squash the golf cart and yell that was orgasmic <laughs> it's like okay this is a strong start of nonsense <laughs> which is what i expect from these deletion matches and i'm totally in this is what i'm again like in past times they've started off with 
Jeff Hardy seemingly also having an orgasm whilst mowing his lawn in a pattern. <laughs> so you've, <laughs> you've had you've had unique starts, I'll say, and this was in that uh, kind of way. But the thing that they always missed in the WWE ones is they either went full wrestling match with now and then thing, or they went full nonsense with no wrestling. Whilst this was this, they kept going back to wrestling matches and wrestling spots. And I was like, yeah, this is what the TNA ones did. Were they TNA at the time of coming when they changed to Impact? That would have been they were the... T- yeah, they were, they were TNA and then led into... I think, they were, I think at the end they were Impact. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to sum it up. Just skip the massive, like, 20 changes. <laughs> just like, and they ended up as Impact. <laughs> just, yeah. And, and you, you know, you, you mentioned that Jeremy Boras was missing from these, but, you know, the, the real key that's missing from these is Senior, senior Benjamin. Hmm. He is, he's a cameo now. He's a... Yeah. He's, here. he's a sub-role... Uh, but yes, I was, so they had the wee, a wee little wrestling match over the property, which I did kind of like. That was good. Uh, Guevara with a suplex on the yard before he rained down hands on Hardy by a fountain. Uh, but obviously in the fountain was a spear. Of course there was. <laughs> this is a deletion match. <laughs> so of course there was an ancient spear in the fountain. Uh, although immediately this contained the one... Yeah, I've already actually just made that point. I actually skipped that on the notes to say that it included some wrestling. They went to a wrestling ring. That was nice. A again, that immediately reminded me of the uh, Impact ones because that's what they did. They do nonsense, a bit of wrestling, nonsense, <laughs> and it kind of made it match together. A uh, full gear sponsored wrestling ring was set up in the yard after Matt successfully sent the man through a table. Santana and Ortiz ran in to team him down, and that's when we got Private Party awaiting in their truck on a walkie-talkie, uh, and. Uh, somebody called them in after Santana Ortiz <laughs> charged in and he got your screen pop as we were talking about earlier uh, as the young team then ran in and beat them down uh, that's when Matt Hardy got his projectile fireworks <laughs> and started firing and then everybody in the ring ducks <laughs> including Private Party <laughs> like, be careful Matt <laughs> I'm assuming this is part one of be careful <laughs> when everybody in the ring is just ducking his projectiles go overhead uh, not as bad as later when when he's chasing Sammy Guevara and he slips in the mud and he's firing them like and you see them directly hitting him. <laughs> I'm assuming that's where Grandpa's Jan. <laughs> it's just a bit. This is dangerous. <laughs> You're yep. actually hitting him. Uh, I mean, one thing I did like is where Matt Hardy afterwards picked him up. It was like, oh, get get up, Sammy. We don't want people to think this is mud wrestling. <laughs> Which I thought was great. Um, yes, and the big war they had, and they kind of. They hit the note really well, where like a comedy beat, where they had Private Party, Santana and Ortiz having their little brawl, and then when they cut back to Sammy and Hardy, it's madness. <laughs> Just the fireworks going everywhere. Uh, I thought that was like a nice transition. But that took us to the Lake of Reincarnation. And if, if you were a first-time viewer watching this, they didn't... I don't think they, ever, they once called it the Lake of Reincarnation, they just called it the Lake... And then suddenly Hurricane Helms is shifting gimmicks. <laughs> it's just, I don't think, if it's, it, because, well, because we've obviously watched them all. And we're like, yeah, it's the Lake of Reincarnation. As soon as he goes in, I'm like, oh, what's he going to come back as? Because <laughs> it won't be the Hurricane. And uh, he did. He did switch gimmicks, which is cool. And uh, yeah, I think this is my peak enjoyment was that bit. And then when it goes into the garage that's been redonned, the Dome of Deletion, I, uh, I started to lose like a load of investment in the match it was like okay this is hopefully building to the end then a bit like you it was like oh that wasn't the end and then they did the big reference to their match from All Out with Sammy Guevara getting the 
injury to the back of the head instead. And then Matt Hardy murders him. So, yeah. Yeah. Hard to consider a push when you're dead. So what's going to happen next? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. My, my favorite spot of the match was definitely, you know, when Hurricane Helms was like, it's been two years, Matt, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> and then he had, he had to explain, like, you know, the rights. And <laughs> oh, he's like, it's long-term storytelling. <laughs> yeah, long-term storytelling, and, you know... I, you know, I was, I was somewhere else for two years. I couldn't do this. And, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it was great. Like fourth wall breaking stuff, you know, Uh, after the match, uh, Matt Hardy was just shouting like, it's over. It's over. And he calls in private party to take out the trash. They put Sammy Guevara in the bin, load her up onto the truck. Uh, Senor Benjamin, please take this absolute rubbish away. And then Rebby Hardy plays us out on the piano as we replay the happenings. <laughs> I guess the best way to put it. Uh, but a nice fadeaway image as they, as all the baby faces are outside the garage chanting "delete, delete, delete" with fireworks going off all over the place for the whole family. Uh, yeah, it, it, these are unique. You remember them, but I feel like like I've had my fill of them now. So yeah, and, and Gangrel, Gangrel got a big pop from me. It was nice seeing him, as well. So yeah, yeah. You know, I can I can do with it. I can deal with having these maybe like once a year or something. But I mean, yeah. I I think that when you when you when we've had this match, you know, we had the Stampede match, and then we had their you know their last match that was also like a deletion style match. It's just it's just too much like like right in a row. I mean, it's it's you know Matt Hardy can be used for more than just deletion style matches or these cinematic style matches. You know. Yeah, I, I like his pairing with uh, Private Party as well. So it is, mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice that he has got something all set up. Right, the match after this. As Carl- you know, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, al- it's almost like they have enough trios in, in uh, AEW. They should have a trio, they, they could have a trios championship, like yeah, I suggested yeah. 500 times already. <laughs> Sorry. And they've got loads of people in the company who generally do like that. <laughs> it's not the fact that they've not got one. It's like, yeah, you've got, you've played to their strengths. They love it. It's fine. Like, uh, next up is. Chris Jericho versus MJF, and if MJF wins, he is in the inner circle. So, again, I've already said that it was oh, probably like two hours ago now. <laughs> I said that the thing that I loved about this match was the crowd. They were so into it. They were so excited for it. And I feel like the entrances was a massive part of that, where it was lights out, Jericho's jacket up, but it's MJF. He's customised his own garment with Jericho likes, the cheeky git. <laughs> he's got sort of great reaction. And the atmosphere for the penultimate bout of the night was fantastic. The crowd singing Jericho's theme, MJF angrily up on the turnbuckle in reaction to their chance for him. Just uh, And Jericho automatically became the face. Like, so many pops for him. Uh, I guess one of the biggest ones at the start was a huge cheer as he uh, as he downed Maxwell on the outside, grabbed a camera and filmed with a middle finger. <laughs> that got a huge pop. And uh, yeah, MJF was very quickly getting like a hole chance, just like naturally sotting into that heel roll out of the two of them. Uh, Jericho, I guess, feeding into that was like hitting the specials, like the Frankenstein off the turnbuckle, which also got a lovely pop. Uh, but it was Friedman with the dirty tricks. Cementing himself as the heel, stealing Joker's moves, <laughs> going for the moonsault. Uh, and it's when he when he went for the moonsault, it's like, oh yes, you are young, aren't you? Because he's got athleticism, he just doesn't use it. <laughs> it's like it's like, oh yes, he is athletic. And uh, but that led to the heel shenanigans slowly towards the end. I felt like the middle was a bit 
dragged down a little bit, but they were building, so I can't have too much complaints. Uh, Jericho fought back, leading to Maxwell calling for the diamond ring from Wardlow. Wardlow with the distraction. So Chris calls for the bat from Hager. <laughs> the heel games were afoot. Then it's an MJF in response. Fane's getting hit by Jericho. Jericho's like, didn't do anything. Aubrey Evans doesn't buy it. But it was enough to steal a cheeky roll-up and grabs the trunks as well, just to make sure he gets the win. And MJF is in the inner circle. So... Yeah, momentum took me to covering the entire match. But, Jan, what did you make of Jericho MJF? Um, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, um, I, I have, I have, you know, I mean, I'm going to keep saying this every time it happens, but, you know, because it happens every single time Jericho has a match. I I hate the fact that he's a, that he's supposed to be the monster heel of the company, the number one heel in the company, and the crowd always sings along with his fucking theme song. I hate it. I all I fucking hate it. Um and I know you said like he's you know he was basically baby play the baby face in this match and I agree with that. <clears throat> but I hate that the crowd's chanting along. I hate that they're not wearing masks while they're doing it. Um I I hate and I just hate it. I just they they should change that theme song because he's not a heel if that's happening. Um it's just like you know and and I you know the same criticism I have of Adam Cole's um, Adam Cole baby thing. He's, he's doing that in the cross chanting along. He's not a heel. Um, they need to get rid of that theme, and they're not going to do it. And it it sucks. Uh, it works in NJ, it works in AJPW. Does not work in AEW. Not for not if he's supposed to be a heel. No. Then now if the entire you know point of of MGF joining the inner circle is that he's going to take it out from under Jericho. Great. Um, and then, and then, you know, that Judas thing will work just fine. But I just, I hate the fact that the crowd cheers along with it. It always gets me out of the beginning of Jericho matches. And there just wasn't enough in this one to get me back into it. Um, I did love the spot where Jericho went for the Judas effect and, um, and, uh, MJF caught it and turned it into the salt of the earth. That was brilliant. Um, the ending of it just felt like, it felt like, you know, the ghost of Eddie Guerrero in there, um, <laughs> really. At the, at the end, um, and you know, I'm interested to see where it goes from here. But, but the match itself was not that good. It just, you know, d- so I mean that this is kind of where, you know, the end of the tag title match, um, the elite deletion match, and now and then this match, like, not even be, you know, back to being wrestling and then not really delivering for me, just kind of got me to the point where now. You know, that first hour was fantastic. I loved I loved the women's match. I liked a lot of the tag match, and now this is where it kind of just started going. Like I was, I was kind of in blah territory at this point. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> oh, I can't, I'm losing my voice now. <laughs> but the uh, I think I said at the start when we talked about the pacing. For me, this was the only blip where, in terms of stakes on the card, this is one of the lowest stakes. And I feel like it was more in this position because of who was in and, the match. And it was Hilbert's, and also it was heel versus heel. Yeah. Yeah, to have that as your penultimate match in terms of pacing, it's just uh, at this point in the card, like the same with Jericho Orange Cassidy last time. It was just for the kind of match it is with the stakes they had, to have it as the penultimate match is like I, that's it's, in terms of how invested I'm going to be in the match with these kind of stakes. Putting it penultimate means I'm just automatically going to not care as much. I disagree with that with that comparison you just made because the 
because I thought in the last in the last show, Jericho versus Orange Cassidy was in the spot it deserved to be in. It was, it had been a long running feud. It was a grudge feud. It, you know, it was a it was a big match, a big spot for Cassidy to to get over. And I thought it really deserved that spot. This did not. This match did not. It did not deserve a spot. It good. I did, You know, I I probably if if you know if I were pacing this show, I probably would have had the tag title match in this spot and switched those yeah. two around. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good shout. Actually, yeah. I think, I think I probably would have done something similar just because the tag because the tag match. Yes, the build. Uh, there's a lot of complaints from people about the build going into it, but there was enough to make it feel important on the night, and that's probably why I probably would have switched them. And I'm always a fan on ending on your big title matches anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a personal preference. I say New Japan's drilled that into me. NXT don't help with that either. <laughs> it's got <laughs> put your big matches on last. Uh, but one thing I really liked about about this was the character work afterwards. I will say. If I could say that the the match was maybe what I'd give it three stars, but the character work in it was top notch, and that was always going to be their strength in this one, because it wasn't going to be the technical wrestling <laughs> anything, but the character work was always going to be shining. Uh, the thing I really liked is what MGS in the inner circle now. So what happens? Like how do people react? And Wardlow and Hager were staring holes into each other. Fantastic. Uh, Jericho cut off the music before accepting MJF's hand for a handshake. And, like, the only move left was to accept Maxwell into the group. Like, smiles and congratulations when it's so clear he doesn't like him <laughs> and that he doesn't want him in. But to the cameras, to the people, he's just smiling and is like, yeah, MGF, isn't he great? Welcome to the band. Hey, MGF. But it's so clear he doesn't like him. It's like, let the hijinks and, and, begin. And, <laughs> yeah, the, t- the tension was so... The tension as they were all walking away was just... <laughs> So high, it felt like there was going to be a, mm. so one of you know one of them attacking one of the one of the other of them at any time. Mm. <laughs> They're all kind of like walking back, like you know, with these smiles on their faces and you know smirks and and like you know the the warily looking at each other between the two monsters, and it was just kind of like, <laughs> is this going to blow up at any time, or is this really going to they're really going to going to fade to black on this? And they faded to black on it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, instead of just giving um, it, then you know, and, and, build you know, it, the, it looks like. and that con- and that contrast, like you were you were talking about, like you know, the, is all, you know the character was always going to was always going to be there, and the technical, you know, match wasn't, and that you know. I, I loved the you know the mimosa ma- match last time around, and I loved the the Moxley um, MGF match last time around. Just, this these two guys are just not really good dance partners for each other at this stage in their careers. Mm. Uh, also, if you're hearing a noise in my microphone, it's so uh, late into the morning that the heating's coming on for people to wake again? up again. <laughs> 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 so it's it's currently twenty past seven, so the morning's starting now. <laughs> Lights are coming on. <laughs> Uh, which is a good transition to our final match. It's John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston in an I Quit match. So if I remember correctly, because it was a year ago, if I remember correctly, when we reviewed Full Gear last year, you absolutely loved the main event, the yes. match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. And I felt like this was, I guess, a violently on power, in, on comparison kind of level. Yeah, you got your John Moxley no. violent main event. For no, me, that it's for me, it, it, <laughs> it's uh, it's Kenny Omega, John Moxley. If they ended it about twenty minutes earlier, just just at a point, <laughs> and they didn't do a lot of the bigger builds, and then took it to just an insane level, increasingly afterwards, uh, uh, it's like they stopped partway through. They did a few big spots, and then when they did some story things, like halfway through their match, that was the ending instead. 
<laughs> for me, that's what I'd say for this one. Like, you got none of the ice pick stuff, none of the glass stuff. They didn't. They never elevated it to that level. They just did your barbed wire things. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still enjoyed the match. I still thought it was good. Thought it was. Uh, still thought it was a great main event. I didn't leave the show thinking, uh, like, yeah, yeah, it was fine. I will say the way it ended, I was expecting something big, but what we got was more setup instead. So it's like, oh, but I am looking forward to Moxie Omega. <laughs> so can I be too? They gave me something I want to see. So can I be a bit uh, when I was expecting like something bigger than that? I don't know why. It's just the way that the show ended. It just and the people were coming out. I was like, what's going to happen? And then it just faded to black with Moxie in the ring after Omega. It's so weird because this because they had a great story coming into here and they really sold me on this match coming in, but yet it still had such a huge hill to climb, didn't it? Because because we knew it was an unquit match and like I said earlier, you know the babyface never loses an I quit match because you never want to have your babyface say those two words I quit right. I mean the one time I remember I can ever remember seeing a babyface lose an I quit match was. When the Rock lost it because he had, you know, or I'm sorry, mankind mm. lost to the Rock because, you know, they had the recording of him saying, "I quit, I quit, <laughs> I quit," you know. So my puppy's like just woke up, like looking at me when I did this, did that. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, so I mean, it had a, it had it, you know, even though you know we knew it was going to be a really good match, a really good story, it's still that huge hill to climb because we knew what the end game was going to end up being. Um, I, I loved a lot of the spots in this one. You know, I loved um, the barbed wire being taken off the bat and, and punched into Moxie's face over and over again. Mm. Um, I loved the uh, alcohol spot after the thumbtacks. Um, you know, I loved Kingston putting the bulldog choke on Moxley. Like he said he was going to, but at the same time, I never felt like the ending of it was going to change. I never felt like Moxie was in any actual jeopardy of saying those two words. You know, the only thing that I can think of that would have made me think that is if, like, you know, Moxie's about to, you know, it has the same spot at the end, like he's got the bulldog choke on with the barbed wire, and then the monitor comes on, and you see Eddie's family has Renee Young kidnapped or something. Oh, that's you know? like a major, <laughs> a major thing. Mm. Some kind of a major thing where, you know, his wife is being threatened. Um, that's the only thing that would that would have gotten him to say those words, and since you know I think Renee is still under contract with WWE as far as I'm aware, that wasn't going to happen. So I mean there really wasn't anything here that um, it, it's hard to have a lot of drama in a match when the ending is never in doubt, and the ending was never in doubt in this one. If I'm right, she was actively tweeting about AW during the show. If I'm right, she is no longer under contract with WWE, but she does have stuff with Fox. So you might see her on like the odd side show or something, but it's not. It's more like CM Punk, where it's not a direct contract with WWE. It's with the network. Hot damn! <laughs> Sorry, I just saw this tweet with a Carter Sheeta with her legs spread, <laughs> and he's got the like the belt between her leg. God, that woman is so hot. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so we've lost Zan for the evening. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll talk about story then. <laughs> so I was like. What a man Eddie Kingston is! Like so great seeing all the plaudits he's getting at this point uh, on the on this stage as well, and like the best description of this match or of this story or arc that I've seen uh, came from Mitch Latter and James Boyd on One Nation Radio, where they said like John Muxley and Eddie Kingston are two sides of the coin of a coin of the same man, 
Like one jumped on the opportunity to grab all the fame and glory, the other stayed with his people, never forgetting who he is, but became an extremely bitter and angry man in the process. It's just like, oh, I just... And I, felt, I really felt that in this match, like they were brothers, essentially. And uh, yeah. one had gone to fame and glory and one had become bitter. It's like, oh, it's a Taylor's order's time, but it was bloody brilliant. <laughs> and Eddie Kingston really sold it incredibly well. And oh, he did for sure. There's a, a great character performance from him, and, and and the match was brutal, and it was, and it was a great match, and it was great to watch in that sense. It was just, it's just that I never hit that upper level for me because I never felt like there was a spot where, again, the ending was ever in doubt, you know, and and that yeah. really can take away from a match when you when you don't feel like, well, if you already know the result number one, or if you just feel like there's no way that a title change could could happen. I mean, and or we, we experienced this. Or a certain, certain victory could happen, you know? Yeah, because we, we experienced this during the Kazuchika Okada reign, where your champion feels strong, and that is not bad. That's good. That's good he's been able to make your champion feel strong. That means he's succeeded. Like, yes, he's, he's over his champion. Well done. Uh, but it does mean you get the odd match where you just don't believe they'll lose. Because, like, <laughs> well, after all this time, he's not losing to this guy. <laughs> Which is a bit of a shame. I know a lot of people were really hyped because Eddie Kingston's done such a good job. And uh, but I, I was one of those people that I was just never believing <laughs> he was going to win, uh, which is why I was expecting a big angle. On the other hand, who would have thought an evil was going to win at um, Dominion? That is a good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nobody would have expected that. And then he, yeah, does actually beat Nitro. Uh But yeah, here I was never expecting Eddie Kingston to win, and assumably he maybe goes into something with Pack. Or they're all friends. That's the one thing I've not seen predicted is Pat comes back and they all get along. <laughs> it's just people just expecting Pat to not be happy with Kingston. Uh, when he he might be fine with it and they're all happy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought Yeah, speaking of that, why are the why are they facing each other again on Wednesday? What's the what's the story for that? For Penta and Phoenix. Yeah. Uh as far as I know, it was because I thought one of them got injured during it and they wanted a proper contest or something. Oh my god, that's so stupid. That might be nonsense. I can't, I can't, I think they explained it. I just wasn't listening. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I might, I'll put that more on me because they did kind of flash through the card multiple times and say words whilst they were hyping the match. I just didn't listen to any of them. <laughs> so that is my <laughs> And really, the pay-per-view should not be hyped for a TV show. It's the other way. It should be the other way around. Anyway. <laughs> I was, cause, yeah, cause that's why I, I saw... Uh, I thought it was quite interesting to see what the general consensus seems to be of this. Because it is a kind of new idea. Where just to... Uh, they have the pay-per-view, obviously. But then to hype the upcoming television on it. What was the consensus? And most people seem to be fine with the idea. They, they seemed happy with it. Uh, I don't know if because the way they did it. It's not like I hate it. I just mm. think it's weird to to you know to to do that and then you and then you for some reason you have, you have a a rematch out of nowhere of the two with the two brothers facing each other again. Mm. I think that so, was all that was announced on Dynamite already. So again, oh was own, it? Okay, it's my own bad for not paying attention <laughs> to what they said, <laughs> what the reasoning was. Uh, again, I can I can eat my own words later if none of this is true. <laughs> well, I'm pretty certain that they said something. Um, we'll say there were like lots of little spots. Shannon's already brought up his spots as well. Uh, I liked how it was like an escalating of violence. Um, like Eddie Kingston biting Moxley within seconds certainly set a tone. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. It led to a very broadly start, like an escalating of violence. Like you have your ringside playtime before you bring your weapons and blood. A uh, like another 
tone set when first said weapon was a barbed wire bat. <laughs> and then he'd take off the barbed wire, it gets violent pretty quickly. Um, Eddie with his simple but effective chair to the face. <laughs> he did that quite a few times. It popped me every time. Uh, Moxley, sometimes a bit more vicious, like gouging somebody's eye out <laughs> type of stuff. Uh, the challenge, but the thing I really liked. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you and so you mentioned the chairs, and there was a spot where, <clears throat> where uh, Excalibur was saying how, you know, he was inspired by certain things, and then uh, yeah. Jr. goes, <laughs> Keith is inspired by chairs. Yeah, simple but effective. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> Uh, like in terms of like the compared to last year as well, like the challenger was just at home to the violence as Moxley is, like a totally different competitor to Omega last year, and like a just just about like Kingston giving a damn emphatic belly to belly onto the thumbtacks, <laughs> just launching Moxley mm-hmm. over onto them, and like in a match with both lads at home in the violence, the tax spot is halfway through. <laughs> you're not escalating into proper violence uh, uh, to, like, to end your match type of thing like you see quite often with the thumbtacks come out like no this is the midway point we've got a lot more <laughs> the alcohol hadn't come out yet <laughs> don't you worry and yeah we'll say a lot of people were really like oh that's not lovely when uh, I think he, sl- he hit, um, hit Moxie over the face with a handful of thumbtacks and then hit the choke hold and on the close up you can see the thumbtacks in his head uh, I think Renee Young even tweeted out. It was like, oh, oh dear. <laughs> nope, don't mm-hmm. like. <laughs> uh, yes, seeing husband with the thumbtacks in the head. And uh, yeah, so another thing I just want to point out, storyline-wise as well, uh, it's a little thing where AW have been uh, quite open to name-dropping New Japan Pro Wrestling. And a lot of people are reading a lot into it. I don't know. They seem to be give a lot more freedom to the commentators to just name things. So I don't know if there's much weight to it other than they're just free to name things and they're doing it. <laughs> I don't think That's it's what I think it is. I, I don't I don't expect them to have any kind of working relationship anytime soon. Yeah, and it's more, apparently more likely now that the former guy's gone, but uh, now that Harold's left us. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen, though. Rapido. <laughs> just incredibly quickly. I mean, there's still a pandemic on. It's not exactly the best situation to do this kind of thing. Uh, so it's, it's not going to happen. Well, remember, Nick, remember, Nick Jackson w- was asked if it was going to happen, and he, and he flat out said, "No, it's never going to happen." Mm. <laughs> I mean, that was when Howard was in charge, and the general consensus was, "Yeah, as long as he's in charge, it's not going to happen." But then he but I think and it, changed. But yeah, that's yeah. true. But I think it was also a lot of the fact that the Bucks really felt like they weren't respected for the talents that they were when they were th- with that company. Yeah, I think that was, that was a consensus that got over quite a bit, quite a few times. It was like in Japan, they never felt like like with uh, with yeah they were never never felt like they were treated the same way they were over here in America. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was it was you could see their point when they were doing that. Yeah. And apparently discussions when they announced they believe in didn't go didn't go well. <laughs> so uh, maybe a bit of sour uh, feelings. On the other know. hand, you know the you know the they're also your job is to be the executive vice presidents and to do things that are best interest of the company, not just them mm-hmm. themselves. So if there's a really you know good money deal to be had, then mm-hmm. maybe it'll be worth it for them. I mean, also because they're seemingly pretty open to making working deals with different companies, if they do, because with Don Callis being on there, maybe it's something more, and they do get a working relationship with Impact. New Japan are currently building a working relationship with Impact. <laughs> so it's just like little. Or are they? Uh, yeah, they're uh, well. Have you seen the lineup for the Super 
for this uh, for the Super the Super J Cup they're doing over in the United States in tow with the best of Super Juniors, and uh, Chris Bay of uh, Impact Wrestling's taking part, and I want to say there's somebody else I can't think who it is. So they've uh, yeah in their tournament for their New Japan for Wrestling US side they've got Impact Wrestling wrestlers taking part. So, oh, I didn't. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's like a little working relationship. Um, but I will say one thing that I did also pick up was quite nice, where commentators were making sure to note that when uh, making sure to note Minoru Suzuki when Mox fought back with a sit-down pile driver before hitting a paradigm shift, uh, one of the matches from last year. No, it's this year. Sorry, I keep saying last year. <laughs> it's a time again of uh, this year with Moxley facing Suzuki. Uh, we'll say it was a paradigm shift, not hit with the most umph, but a finisher still a finisher. And Moxley instead wrapped the barbed wire around his wrist. Kingston giving a middle finger before Mox choked him with the bulldog choke. This time with the barbed wire cutting into Kingston, and he had the look again in terms of amazing character and selling. Kingston had just had the look all over him of he's like, I do not want to give up, but I know I'm caught. And he just sold that look so well. And like, and uh, after the match as well, where Mox tr- tried to help Kingston to his feet, but he had absolutely none of it, and he walked his own damn ass out of the ring. <laughs> I thought that was a little great thing as well. But especially the ending, where Kingston seemed to get across so many emotions by just seemingly fading out and getting choked. Like, mm-hmm. He's so good. <laughs> he is so good. Uh, yeah, but yeah, well, yeah, I feel like we've. I might be going around in circles if I try and say uh, what opinions were on this match because we did it in reverse order. <laughs> 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 opinions then recap. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so when uh, when he was out, I was like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen next? Uh, out comes Kenny Omega. Uh, he makes his mark and refuses to get into the ring. On commentators noting that well, he wants absolutely none of the violence that was last year, so he's going to make a statement. That he's next, in, he's next up. Be careful, and then he's going to leave. And we went as went off air as Moxley celebrated in the ring, and I was still sitting there thinking, have they accidentally done a rule of three? Like the SNL skit setup, we have one come out, you have a second come out, and the third one's the big one. And uh, no, there was no third one. <laughs> it was just ending on Kenny Omega, and then it just faded away with John Moxley as champion. Uh, yeah, they just made John Moxley strong ahead of facing Kenny Omega. Maybe there's nothing more to it than that. <laughs> Maybe I'm overthinking it. <laughs> and there isn't some form of massive shenanigan to get the title off of Moxley ahead of having to quarantine for a New Japan show. Maybe there is none of that about. No, I mean, there's, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I do think Omega, you know, would be a good choice as champion. I'm just wondering, you know, is he the right guy to be the, undefe- you know, be, to be a guy he's already lost to and, and who's undefeated, you know? Mm. Without any kind of shenanigans, so, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, the thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of why I was saying, like in my line of succession, it's Moxley, and I don't know if it is Kenny Omega, but it's definitely Kenny Omega than Hangman. So it's just like, is there a block in between? <laughs> is there a little thing? Well, if but that's the thing is like he's beaten everybody, so who who would it be? I was gonna say it's gonna you have know. to be Kenny. Yeah, because um, he's <laughs> he, you know he he's beaten Page, uh, he's uh, not Page, he's beaten Cage. You know, he's beaten uh, – Cody can't wrestle for it. He's beaten Jericho. He's beaten Darby Allen. He's beaten uh, MJF. He's beaten um, Lance Archer. So, I mean, you know, really, who is left? Yeah. I mean, the good news is, uh, as we saw with Eddie Kingston, they've got the time from now till February to do the build. And 
more often than not, they do a fantastic job of getting you excited for it. Uh, if I'm right, this is the first time where immediately after a pay-per-view, they're being pretty open with what the title match is going to be at the next one. Unless... Well, because they actually they just said next, didn't they? They didn't say they were yeah, they, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's four... Yeah, I don't think there's going to be three matches between, between title defenses. <laughs> this is in New Japan. Yeah. So. I mean, unless Kenny Omega wants it on pay-per-view because he's a massive heel. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm not giving this away on free TV. You can face other people. <laughs> type of thing. Uh, I don't know what's no, more I think, I, think he, I think he wants his title as soon as he wants his title. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, what's more heelish is to demand it now because I'm Kenny Omega, damn it. Or, no, you've got to pay to watch me. I'm Kenny Omega, damn it. <laughs> Both kind of work a bit. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but yes, I don't know if it is immediately Moxley then, then Omega or Fit. Because again, um, Omega to Hangman is the most the one that makes the most sense. Especially as putting over like that next generation in Hang and uh, Hangman, so yeah. But yes, a great pay per view. I think's the best way to put it. It absolutely flew by. It was uh, again when I'm watching it from one a.m. to five a.m. <laughs> and I didn't feel knackered at all. I genuinely really enjoyed it. The time flew by, especially that first hour, which at the time I was just actually tweeting like this is a lesson in pacing. <laughs> it was such a strong first hour. And the show overall was great, and because I, I felt a bit eh, after all out, like for me that was their first uh, not amazing pay per view. Because again, the bar was so high <laughs> that again, I'm comparing it to such a high bar. Which because um, okay, again, I'm so used to the terms of what I'd use for WWE, and sometimes when I make a comparison AEW and I make the same noise, I would that doesn't but it means something completely different. Just because the bar we're setting AW on is so much higher that even something lower, like for me, like All Out, is still a good show. <laughs> still, I'm just assessing sure. it at such a high bar. But yeah, Full Gear, I thought was an absolute blast. So many. And I, and I, and I think that, you know, I think what you just said is like it was a general consensus of All Out. I thought All Out was a fantastic show personally, and I thought this one was a great show. So for me, it's, you know, it's kind of flipped. But. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna. But that first hour was dynamite for sure. <laughs> oh, pun fully intended. <laughs> yeah, actually, it wasn't. But it's, it's it's late for me too. So <laughs> anyway, because yes, it is about twenty to two in the morning for Jan, and it is twenty to eight in the morning for me. Yeah, luckily it's. A, I mean, the good thing about these AW shows is at least they're on a Saturday, so I've got Sunday to recover. <laughs> so at least there's that. Yeah, it's not madness straight into the working week. Uh, anyway, I'm going to go to bed. Thank you to all the crazy people who have listened to this all the way through for our two and a half hour movie epic. Uh, this is one of, I think it's one of our shorter ones <laughs> for these big... There's so much to talk about. It takes us quite a while to just get through all of the stuff. It's just uh, so much context to kind of work through and there's so many possibilities coming off of it. You end up spending quite a lot of time on every single match, which that's such a major positive, just to be that invested in stuff that's happening. What a great mm-hmm. feeling, Jan. What a great feeling. Anyway, I will be live again with you on Tuesday for the Raw review because I like punishment. So I'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, Jan, you'll also be back on Tuesday with the Kingdom of Honor show with Jeff. Uh, Well, we're actually doing doing it on Wednesdays now during Dynamite. So, Ah. yeah, we'll be talking about Dynamite. We'll be talking about this show. We'll be talking about New Japan's latest offering, um, Power Struggle. So, yeah. 
Mm. Uh, you can follow Jan on Twitter at JanManLOP. It's been under it's been under the other graphics the entire show. So if you're watching on YouTube, hopefully you can read and you'll see it. <laughs> and uh, my <laughs> uh, Twitter as well with that uh, at the damn implicat. That's damn as in damn. Why is it that handle? It's because I tried to put the implications, the name I had on uh, Laws of Pain when I created the a- the alias, I guess, and uh, somebody had already taken it. Then it was too many characters. Bastards. Yeah, had someone taken it, then it was too many characters, then in anger I just went to type the damn implications, <laughs> and then it came up with the damn implicate, and I was like, oh, that'll do, <laughs> that'll do. <laughs> so, a name out of frustration, <laughs> uh, and the only way I can think to plug it is, that's damn as in, damn, like Farouk, so, yeah, wrestling reference, I found a way to work it in. Uh <laughs> Is there anything I, else? I, I I once made a password that was I'm getting angry just because every time every other password I tried it wouldn't it wouldn't take. <laughs> <It's perfect. laughs> yeah, I, I like it when pa- their passwords or usernames have a story <laughs> of like mental anguish or something. Uh, yeah, compared to something that personally means something to you, it's like no, in the moment I was just getting a bit pissed off. <laughs> it wasn't doing it. Uh, anyway, right. exactly. Yeah, so I'll be back on Tuesday, then on Thursday for the NXT review as well. And with that, I say thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, five-starring, depending on what you're listening on or whatever. Uh, commenting down below on YouTube or be on Laws of Pain. If you go to Red Circle, you can donate to uh, or Vesting Headlines Radio or Laws of Pain Radio, depending on what we're meant to be calling ourselves. <laughs> we all, you can donate uh, straight via Red Circle to us as well to help us do all this lovely stuff. Anyway, I think it's time for bed, Jan. I don't know why I'm entering children's TV show territory. <laughs> it's because I'm tired. Yep. Long days, pleasant nights, Jim. Yes. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>